Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. We talk TTM, cards, autograph, collecting, and just about anything else, Drew, and I want to talk about, right, Drew? Exactly. <laughs> it is season four, episode 28. It is the weekend of July 17th, and guys, you're listening to nationally ranked sports card podcast. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm your host of the program, talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm joined by my co-host and friend, Mr. Drew Pelto from Dallas, Texas. Hey, Drew. Hey, good to be here, as always. Drew, I know you, you've been getting your voice prepared, getting your, 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 you're getting all quaffed for all your videos that you're going to do. Uh, you're getting ready for your, your trip. Why don't you let everyone know about your YouTube channel, which is going to follow the exploits of Drew's excellent adventure. Of course. Yeah, it's DFW Graffer is the uh, site. If you go to youtube.com slash DFW Graffer. It'll be under Drew's autographs. Pretty easy to find that way. Um, If you want to just go through my website for it, just go to dfwgraffer.com. You can uh, find links to everything that I do on there. Very easy to get whatever you need to find off of that. Yeah, we're going to have all sorts of stuff for the national who'll be posting there. So guys, follow Drew on on YouTube. Very cool channel. Um, You know, if you're, you're new to the program and you're like, who are these two guys? Well, you know what? We do the podcast every week. We post the podcast every week, but we also host a radio show, the only nationally syndicated radio show that's dedicated to sports collectors and sports collectibles. Drew, why don't you let people know about our radio show? Yeah, it's called Sports Collectors Club. You can find it on the Sports Map Radio Network. We're on over 100 stations around the country. Uh, you probably have one in your area. Sundays at, uh, or Saturdays, excuse me, at 10 a.m. Eastern, Sundays at 7 a.m. Eastern. If you don't have a sports map radio affiliate in your area, you can download their app from whatever your app store is. You can also find all of our past episodes on our website at sportscollectorsclub.com. Yep. Check out the website. You can listen to all our old shows there, sportscollectorsclub.com. And the radio show is some different content than we do have in the podcast. We save the good con- content for show tell Anyway, we save the good content for the podcast, but check it out. It is sportscollectorsclub.com, and it is a, a fun show that Drew and I do every week for one hour. Uh, we, you know, we had a, a big week for me, and not a big week, but a good week for me in collecting. Wise. So, we took a trip to the local card store and uh, rummaged through the 10 cent bin and got, so got a bunch of cards, which was kind of cool, and picked up a few TTM cards, cards for TTM, and, and uh, picked up some Prism football packs on, uh, on, uh, target target just got them delivered and i would give it a kind of i don't know it's okay that i think they're, they're 12 or 15 bucks for a pack and the cards are okay but i i, I think they save all the good stuff for, for the hobby boxes because i got a, a couple of good cards but not nothing special but i do like the prison football and uh you know we've just been kind of laying low for the next week or two getting ready for the national how about you drew yeah, I'm just uh, getting my last few uh, shipments in. I've got, uh, I think, two more coming in today, according to Informed Delivery, just a couple small ones. Got the stack right here. I still need to sort into my box here. So fortunately, coming down to the very end of everything, I got some packing I need to do, probably 
go and get a haircut real quick. I mean, I haven't cut it in a few years now, so <laughs> probably good to trim that up. But yeah, it's uh, just, you know, getting ready for all of this stuff as well. Um, if anybody follows uh, my friend Aaron that I'm doing this trip with and who's been on the show before on Instagram, he posted a photo of all the uh, packages he got in from Sport Lots this week of stuff ordered for the show. He said he pulled over 2,000 cards from what he had on hand, plus ordered another 900 or so from there. So he and I are both going to be carrying around 3,000 cards to hopefully try to get signed during this. And uh, I mean, if it goes as well as we hope, then, you know, we could be each coming out of here with, you know, five, 600 cards signed, hopefully. Yeah, that's very exciting. And we're all excited for the national. We've got also the VIP uh, thing on Friday. On Wednesday, we have our uh, listener meetup on Thursday. We're going to be recording shows on uh, Thursday and Friday. We're going to be getting autographs all, all weekend. So there's all sorts of fun stuff coming up. We're about, what, 10 days away, right, Drew? Less than that. A week, a week. Um, I think, uh, yeah, 10 days once we uh, once this goes up. So, yeah. Yeah, so 10 days away. We're all excited. Well, yeah, guys, we have a really fun show for you this week. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Kevin Keating. Kevin is the uh, the uh, primary, I don't know, what, what, principal. He's the principal autograph yeah. authenticator at PSA. And Kevin has been collecting autographs since the early 70s when he was a kid in Chicago. He's written a new book. It's called Waiting for a Sign, Volume 2. And it is a great book. And we talked to Kevin about his book. We share autograph uh stories and, and, and just it's uh, he, he's so passionate about collecting and he's just a, a really fun guy to talk to so i have a, a it's a really fun it's kind of a little long interview but it's all talking about autographs and collecting about kevin's uh new book so please stick around for that next week we have a, a real this is a real another fun interview uh, this will be next week i interviewed al woodall you might not recognize the name but al woodall was the backup quarterback for the new york jets from 1970 to 1976 or 77 thereabouts. And if you think about the time frame, Al was the backup quarterback for Joe Namath. So he had a front row seat for the New York Jets in the Joe Namath circus. And, and we talk all about <laughs> Joe Namath. It went, went on in the wild times of the, the New York in the 70s. And uh, he, he was friends with John Riggins, who was a member of that team. And we talk about some of his teammates. And uh, it was a really, it's a really fun interview. That, that'll be next week. Going to talk about Al. Al is a, also a great TTMer as well. So Al Woodall from the New York Jets next week. But this week, guys, stick around for this one. Kevin Keating. Waiting for a signed volume two. I highly recommend you get in the book. It's available on Amazon. It is a fun read. And Kevin and I swapped stories. We could have we could have spoke for three hours. That's we just kept going and going and going. I'm sure we'll have Kevin on again because he was a really fun interview. So stick around for that. And Drew, we have all sorts of our regular segments as well, huh? We do indeed. We've got Baker's Dozen, which of course covers all of the news in the hobby from the past week. We have Collector's Corner this week talking to Dave Snyder about his Buffalo Sabres collection, making the grade, covering everything in the news uh, in the grading world. Uh, we've got stamp approval where Jeff and I give our thumbs up to something from the past week, whether it's from the world of collectibles, whether it's the world of sports, whether it's from the world of food, whether it's from anything, just about whatever comes to mind for us. We've got the Vern Rap Minute where we'll cover any deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, anything like that from the past week. And of course, the reason why we're here and why you're tuning in is our TTM returns. No, Drew, it's not. It's really cool that we have not put the the kibosh or or, or the evil eye on our stamp of approval. I think all the stamp of approvals, we it's not like our where our football picks, where every time we made a football pick, it went sour. Our stamp right. of approvals are right there. They're, I mean, they, I'm not. I, I'm not. I don't blow my own horn or I blow our own horns, but we're pretty good at those stamp of approvals. 
Yeah, I mean, it's that that's it's good though. I mean, it's good because I mean, it's something that we like, and if somebody doesn't like it, then screw them, you know. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we want to show people that we're not just nerdy autograph guys and baseball I, card guys. We have yep. we have a, a life outside of a baseball card. It's not much of a life, as my wife would say, but we still <laughs> do have a little life. Yeah, so we at like least some. We like to share that. Well, guys, we have our, our text line. If you want to send us feedback, we love getting texts. We love, uh, I love hearing from Drew's cousins and aunts and uncles and let it, let, it, let us know how awesome he is. If you want to send us a text, it's 978-729-0662. Or you can send an email. Our email address is ttmcast at yahoo.com. Cool, guys. Thank you. We want to appreciate all our listeners. We love hearing from our listeners. Our listenership has grown exponentially in the last couple months. We really appreciate all our new listeners and the guys that have been here from the beginning and, and, and really enjoyed the show. We love to hear from you. If you want to be, uh, if you're interested in being a guest, if you want to be featured in Collector's Corner, we're, we, have a, we have some openings in, in August coming up. So uh, we'd love to talk to you if you're passionate about collecting. Don't be afraid. We'll 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 just talk uh, top shop, so to speak. And if you want to be a guest, just send us an email, ttmcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Well, Drew, I think we got all the introductions done. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a breath and we're going to get right into Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by sportscollectorsdaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there's always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Well, Baker's Dozen is a news summary of what's been going on in the hobby. It's, uh, it's always, th this hobby amazes me on how much stuff goes on. We have so much things going on every week. And um, this is a this is a kind of an, a little auction tidbit that I saw. If you've got any extra line, money lying around, uh, one, one of two PSA 10 Wayne Gretzky rookie cards, which is, I believe, 7980 tops, right, Drew? I believe so, yes. Yeah, 7980 tops cards. Uh, one of 10 PSA 10 Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. It's up for auction in the heritage auction there. It's expected to, to reach well over a million dollars and into the two, maybe $3 million last year. It sold for a million dollars and it's back on, on the block again. And it's just amazing how much the, the cards are worth and how quickly they can turn these things around. Right. And, and you know, if I had a million dollars lying around, I'd buy one of these cards because, you know, six months later or a year later, you, you, can, you can double your money. Easily. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way that the market's going right now, especially on anything, uh, the high end iconic stuff like that. I mean, I remember back when I was a Beckett subscriber in the late 90s or so, and I was amazed that there were two cards in there that were in uh, ungrade, at least worth $3,000. And the Gretzky was one of them there. And it's like, 3,000, that's nothing. Now it's hitting, you know, a million in the PSA 10 grade there. So it's just like, wow. I mean, there's always money to be found in this hobby somehow. I know. And well, even in the new stuff, right, Drew, we got some yeah. uh, NFTs that have got released. We do. Yeah. Tops All-Star NFTs have uh, come out this week. 
It's going to run you $50 per pack. You get six NFTs per pack. Got 5,000 packs available. Uh, those went on sale a couple of days ago, July 14th, just in time here for the All-Star Game coming up this week. If you want more information on that, go to topsnfts.com. You can figure out how to get those on there if you're into the whole NFT thing. Yeah, and we have the All-Star Game coming up this weekend in uh, well, Tuesday, right? Is it Tuesday? Yes. Tuesday yep. in, uh, in Dodger Stadium, and there's all sorts of events there unfortunately you know i can't can't make it i i had an opportunity to get tickets i've got invited to a couple of different uh, events at the all-star game but i gotta go to the national i only have so much money right. yep. <laughs> so my wife is like you want to go to the all-star game or you want to go to the national and it's like oh boy that's sophie's choice you know yep but it's uh, you know we chose the net we'll, we chose the national this year so uh, you know, I'm the, I don't know if you've ever been to an all-star game, but it's really fun. And there's also, there's a ton of stuff going on. It's all sorts of guys running around and, uh, you know, we got the holiday hall of fame induction this weekend, uh, coming up next weekend, I believe. And there's just all sorts of cool stuff going on. So if you're a baseball fan, just take a, a peek at what's going on, but it's a great time. Also, I just, this is a really great uh, news item. It's not a collecting item, but it's a really great news item. The NBA Players Association has uh, uh, agreed, right? Agreed mm -hmm. to uh, donate or, or put in $24.5 million for former ABA players that were, weren't on their, um, their pension and that weren't, weren't covered by their medical expenses and all that stuff. And, you know, we've been uh, working with Dropping Dimes now for a couple of years and droppingdimes.org, which uh, earns money for ABA, ABA, former ABA players, which were left off. And this money is going to go a long way to help a lot of these uh, former players that were, you know, just, they can't afford medical. They can't afford rent. There's all sorts of stuff that they, they're going to get help for. So uh, good for the NBA and the NBA Players Association. Uh, $24.5 million. You want to learn more about what uh, Dropping Dimes is doing, droppingdimes.org. Check it out. They have all sorts of uh, uh, memorabilia that they, that they sell through Alana Sports and you know signed balls and you know, cards and stuff. You can help out the ABA players as well. But it's good news that that the ABA NBA is finally recognizing some of these um I don't know trailblazers, right? These guys are trailblazers. They not are, Port, yeah. Not I mean, Portland trailblazers. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, I mean those guys. I mean the ABA was responsible for so many innovations in the game of basketball, and for the NBA to just act like they never existed except for the teams that, you know, got moved into the league there. It's just, it's kind of a travesty. And I mean, and unfortunately it happens all over the place too. I mean, the, uh, it took the a long time for the NFL to actually recognize the AFL stats and records and players. The NHL still likes to pretend the WHA never existed. And yeah, I mean, it's time to recognize these guys. It's time to finally, you know, put a feud from 50 plus years ago aside and say, Hey, yeah, we can, we need to do what's right. And I think this is a big step in the right direction for that. Yeah, I mean, you're a little young. I don't know if you remember the ABA. I was, I, I you know, we were in Boston, so we didn't get much ABA because um, Red Auerbach hated the ABA and tried to keep everything from the ABA out of the Boston area. But uh, I, you know, we, we mentioned the WHA, and I have a huge, <laughs> huge soft spot for them. Uh, I remember when the league came about and going to New England Whalers and Boston Whaler games, and. Uh, that it, you couldn't get Bruins tickets back in the day because Bobby Orr was king, and the, the, you couldn't get Bruins tickets. So you'd go to the you'd, you'd go to the uh, WHA games, and you'd see all these great guys. I remember seeing you know Gordy Howe and Bobby Hall and all these guys you know on their last leg on all these different teams. And uh, I know you had a, a team in Cleveland, but I think you were probably it was probably done by the time you were of age, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it was about five, 10 years before I was born, the WHA went under there. So I never saw any of it. But I mean, I do still, uh, I like, you know, catching any info that I can on and everything. Of course, you know, like you said, they had the Cleveland Crusaders there. And that's uh, it's an organization that still is known in Cleveland today. I mean, Jerry Cheevers was one of the goalies there. The backup was Bob Whitten, who went on to become a legendary high school coach and uh, did color commentary on a lot of the Cleveland Lumberjacks broadcasts over the years. So, yeah, I mean, there's a there's such a such a great history there among all those, uh, you know, secondary leagues and everything. And I just wish they got more recognition from the primary leagues now, because like I said, it's been 50 years, guys. Put put the rivalry aside. I know. And I love those the old uniforms and the old programs. It's really cool. Well, guys, the national is coming up. I hopefully you aren't sick of us talking about the national and hopefully a lot of you guys are going to be able to join us. We are going to be having a listener meetup uh, where we'd love to see you, Drew, myself, and uh, Les Wolf will be there as well. We're going to be at the Boardwalk Burger Bar at the Tropicana Hotel, which is right on the boardwalk, right next to the convention center, actually, on Thursday, July 28th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Drew and I and Les will be there uh, swapping stories, and we'll have some giveaways. We'll have some, uh, uh, I don't know, we'll, 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 ha- we'll have all sorts of cool stuff to talk about. You can show off your, your the stuff that you bought in the first two days of the National we are not buying everyone beers. I can't, we can't afford to buy everyone beers, <laughs> but we will share a beer with you and, and share some stories and a chance to, to meet the legend, uh, Les Wolf, meet the legend, Drew Pelto and myself. And <laughs> we met, we'll, we have some, uh, a kind of some cool giveaways as well. So hopefully you stop by the, our listener meetup for, for Boardwalk Burger Bar, Tropicana Hotel, Thursday, November, uh, Thursday, November, Thursday, July 28th <laughs> at from 630 to 7:30. All the information is on our website. You and you go to ttmcast.com and all the information is right there. Just click on the national button and all the information is there. Drew, we have some more signers to report. We do. Yeah. Added earlier in the week, we had a uh, Mookie Wilson, Lou Pinella, and Gary Sheffield all put on the list. May have mentioned that last week, but it's worth mentioning those guys again here because, you know, we're getting down to the last second here, and it's easy for those last-minute guys to kind of fall through the cracks there mentally. So uh, just a reminder on those guys that have been added in. Yarmir Yager also just added in as well. He's, you know, a, I think, what, 700 career goals or something like that in the NHL. Longtime great player and probably would have broken the uh, 800 mark there you know, had to, if he hadn't spent a couple of years in Europe there in the middle of his career. So Chance to meet him. He was supposed to be at the 1997 National and had to cancel. So 25 years later, they're finally making up for that. Uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas, actor that you may know from movie Rookie of the Year. He was Henry Rowan Gartner in there. He's also in the American Pie movies as well. He's just added recently as an autograph signer there too. So check out nsccshow.com for the info there to get your tickets through TriStar. Yep. Uh, hobby legend Les Wolf is going to be doing a presentation. He's obviously a correspondent with our, with our show. We love Les. We just want to uh, let you guys know he's going to be doing a presentation at the National on the main stage on Sunday, July 31st at 11 a.m. So if you want to uh, see Les, Les is going to talk about how to protect your collectibles, how to best uh, invest, and all sorts of stuff that he's co- a lot of stuff he's covered on the show, but a lot of stuff, new stuff as well. He's also going to be doing, um, what's it called? Uh, appraisals free appraisal so if you have something you want to get appraised Les will be doing appraisals there so uh, check out Les's presentation during the national at the main stage on Sunday 
July 31st from 11 to 11 o'clock. I think it's probably like 11 to 12, maybe. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Drew and I will, will be popping in to see how Les is doing. And, uh, you know, stop in. And it's, it's a really great presentation. Uh, we're also going to be recording our own shows out there as well. Be hanging out at Les's booth a little bit here and there, but the CSG booth is going to be our main spot on Thursday and Friday from noon to one. Stop over, say hi. We're going to do some uh, recording on there. If you have any questions that you want answered on the show, we can get your uh, we can get you recorded there. Have you asked a question? We'll answer on a future podcast or radio show or both, possibly. <laughs> but yeah, stop on by, say hi, and uh, get yourself on the air if you want. Like I said, that's going to be Thursday and Friday at the National from 12 to 1 p.m. over at the CSG booth. That's number 1445. Yeah, we'd love to see you guys. If you're going to be at the National and you want to just stop by, say hello, you can't make the listener meet up, and you want to be on the air, we'd love to be able to record a question or, or, or uh, answer a question for you. So just stop by. We're going to be doing uh, kind of open mic stuff, right, Drew? We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be talking to people and uh, talking to some of the CSG people and, and uh talking to some of the uh, some of the other people that are walking around the show that we schedule interviews for so uh stop by csg booth booth 1445 thursday and friday from noon to one we'll get some new releases a lot of new releases the guys a lot of companies are uh releasing a lot of new cards in uh i think for the national they're trying to get it out into the marketplace but uh this weekend the 2022 top Tristine baseball came out you get six packs, two autos, one auto relic, 10 refractors, and five inserts. The boxes go for about $390. That's 2002 Tops Pristine Baseball just came out. For all you gamblers out there that want to take a chance on a one-card product, 2022 Tops Signature Series has come out. You get one retired player autograph in a box. It's going to run you $85 and uh, definitely a bit of a gamble because you're only getting the one card there. It could be a, could be a total star. could be a total dud. If you're a gambler, try it out. Give it a try. Also, this is, I love the uh, Panini Chronicle, 2021 Panini Chronicle football, which might be the last uh, 2021 release. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure about that, but this is 2021 Panini Chronicle football. You get six packs of eight cards, two autos, one memorabilia, four uh, numbered parallel, 26 inserts and two silvers. So there's a lot of silver parallels, a lot of cards in, uh, in the box and the box is going for about five hundred dollars that two, that's 2021 panini chronicle football a low-end product coming out here that's uh pretty nice looking from a panini it's the don russ mega box baseball has just hit the shelves in there for only fifty dollars on this you're going to get 114 cards across six packs that's 19 cards per pack you get a uh, 12 hollow pink cards and 12 pink fireworks cards in there so like I said, $50 for that. Definitely worth checking out, I would say. Yeah, that's a great entry-level box for the kids. You got a kid that want, that's into baseball. That's a, that's a really good take. Um, Tops 2002 Series 2 Baseball uh, has finally come out. 24 packs in a retail box, uh, 12 cards per pack. Uh, they're going for about $80. The um, 2022 Tops Series 2 Baseball um, is does not include a lot of the hot rookies. I, I think we're going to have to wait for the update series set to come out, which usually comes out. When do they come out? Like September, right, Drew? Yeah, somewhere around there. Usually right around the end of the season. Yeah, so the, I think that that's the the, the take. But the 2002 uh, 22 series two baseballs out, and they they go for about eighty dollars. Well, the guys, that wraps up Baker's dozen for the week. Bill, a lot to talk about. A lot of news. A lot of national stuff. Hopefully, you you can stop by and see us at the national. Um, you know what? We're going to go right into uh, Collector's Corner. 
Well, Collector's Corner is is um, a segment we periodically have because we love to talk to collectors who are passionate about uh, collecting in one thing or another. And um, Dave Snyder is, has been a listener of our show for a while, and he, he reached out to me. And I wasn't sure what Dave collected. And I, I, I spoke to Dave, and Dave actually is trying to collect every autograph of, of a guy that has played at least one game with the Buffalo Sabres. Now you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. The Sabres started in what, 1970, right, Drew? Right around there, I think. Yeah, I think 70, 72, somewhere in that range. Yeah, and I think Dave said there was over 500 guys that have played a game for the, the Sabres. And I thought of you because, you know, when you start getting everyone, right, you got to get the Czechoslovakians and the Finlands yep. and the and the Russians and, and there's guys from all over the world. And, you know, we'll talk to Dave a little about that. Talk to Dave about the guys that he's trying, you know, the guys who said trouble getting some of the guys that he, he was surprised to get some of the relationships he's had with these guys. And it's really fun. Dave's a very passionate collector. So I really enjoyed talking with Dave and I hope you enjoy my interview with Dave Snyder, collector of uh, Buffalo Sabres autographs. Joining us on the TTM cast hotline from his home in the Buffalo area. We will parts unknown, right? Dave is yeah, sure. <laughs> is Dave Snyder. Dave is a collector, a TTMer, and he has a cool project he's doing uh, with the Buffalo Sabres. We're going to kind of just chit chat and uh, do a little collector's corner today with Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. I love talking to people that are passionate about collecting. And it's obvious, uh, you know, I've spoken a couple of times that, that you're really into collecting and TTMing. When did you start getting involved with aut collecting autographs? <laughs> well, we're going to go back to there. Um, I was eight years old when I started. Um, and that's when the passion began. Um, and it's been kind of an in and out kind of thing for decades, obviously. Um, and it was my first autograph was was actually alex tidy of the buffalo sabers um back in the 70s um it's, it's like uh, you know what Dave, a, that's pulling that's pulling a name out of the hat because i'm a huge hockey fan and i don't think i remember alex well alex alex was a, a a positional player that that jumped around a little bit um did some stuff with cincinnati and then moved on to buffalo and then on to vancouver where he actually still um, works with the alumni association in, in Vancouver. Um, and if you're ever looking for somebody, I promised I would never give out his address. Um, but I can, I was allowed to say that if you look for a particular coffee bean company and you Google search it in the, uh, British Columbia area of Vancouver, uh, if you find a coffee truck, it's an old pickup truck picture. And if you Google that, you'll find him. But I can't give any other information because I promised <laughs> I wouldn't. But if you some if you do crumbs, you're dropping some breadcrumbs. I, I, and, and you know what? That's the that's the beauty of our hobby right now, is that we have such a huge tool. Um, this tool of the internet is is amazing because you can track and chase and look. And it, and it never seems to end. You always find another piece of string to follow. Um, and that's how this project that I'm currently on has kind of blown up. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually stunned at how well it's gone. Um, there's, just to give you a little bit of background on this, 
again, you asked me when I was eight years old, it started there. It, it moved on to baseball and everything else. I mean, it was just, it just, it, it went all different directions. And I'm sure you understand that. I mean, you've been collecting for a long time. You don't necessarily just collect one sport. And, and I got into baseball and then I got back out and I joined the service in, in, in the late eighties. And I ended up in the Bay area, uh, the San Francisco Bay area. And I, I had no time or space to collect at that time. So I just went to, um, I, I found out that I, if I wore my uniform, I could go to San Francisco Giants games for free at Candlestick, right? So it started out there. And then I found out I could just show my ID at Oakland. So I ended up going back and forth between the two and I hadn't done any real collecting. I hadn't done any real chasing of autographs or anything like that it wasn't really that kind of thing plus i was in the service i really didn't want to look stupid you know, <laughs> kind of asking for autographs but um but i did find out that when i wore my uniform at candlestick some of the guys would come over and say hello which was really cool and when barry bonds is in the outfield and he comes over and he waves at you barry bonds was not exactly the nicest guy or at least that's what we were all led to believe but actually he was very nice to us in the outfield out there every once in a while. It, it just one of those dumb things. But anyway, it wasn't until I was at Oakland that uh, I ended up sitting um, on the third base side and I was sitting there and I had a, a black and white 35 millimeter camera all set up. And I was taking pictures of, of the, uh, the guys practicing pitching and I took some black and whites of Scott Brocious as a rookie and, and a few other players, right? Um, and, and at the time, Van Poppel was coming up and he was a big guy or he was supposed to be this great phenom thing going on and all this stuff. And I just started taking pictures and then I didn't realize it, but I was sitting next to somebody that I had no idea because I'm not, I wasn't really big into football. I mean, I knew the Bills, obviously, because I'm a Bills fan, but here I'm sitting there and this guy starts talking to me and he says, what you doing? And I'm taking pictures and he says, he says, um, he says, do you know who I am? And I says, because I'm thinking, oh God, here's some old guy. He's going to tell me who he is and he's some guy or whatever. And next thing you know, I ended up starting to talk to him and I found out it was Art Thomas um of the raiders um he was a, a a crazy tackle one of the one of the players that was in the championship teams and 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 next thing you know he signs a, an eight by ten black and white and hands it to me and i was like oh this is cool i remember doing this like i got an autograph just now right and it's and it just like all of a sudden your blood starts pumping and you're like you get that tingle and that drug me back in uh, which later that season led me into another bad, I, I bought a bad purchase. Um, I don't know if you remember um, Mike Witt pitched for the, uh, the A's. Oh, sure. Okay. And he had a game where he pitched a one hit game that was supposed to be a no hitter, but the, the ump blew the call. Um, and there was, you know, it was a big controversy, whatever. I paid $30 for an unused ticket signed by him from the A's. I still have it to this day. I, I really do. 
Um, and then the next thing you know, I was like, I'm back in it. I'm totally back in it. So I got the, I got the blood pumping again. I finally, the Gulf War happened, blah, blah, blah. And we left, you know, and I came back home and I got out in 95 and I started collecting crazy again. Um, and then somehow I ended up catching an article about old Sabres players and the Alex tidy thing come back up again. And I'm like, okay. So I was like, I started looking at what I already had and I had a ton of Sabres autographs, all different ones, you know, from all different generations of Sabres. And I was like, I wonder what it would take because they're not an original 16. So you're not looking at thousands of players that played right. for these teams. So I figured, well, wonder just how many players played for the Sabres. So then I looked that up and it was around at the time that this started about 540 players had played in an actual game for the Sabres. And I looked and I said, well, I got about at least 150 autographs so far. So I said, I got a good start. I'm going to look at this and see how far I can take it. And this was just after COVID started, I was bored crazy. And I'm like, I'm going to look and see what I can find. And then next thing you know, I found out, oh, I got more than I thought. And I started looking at autographs. And there's a few guys, there's legends in the hobby. We all know them. You're one of them. There's others like, you know, and I'm not going to mention names, but I'll mention a nickname, Dodger Don. All right. There's one for you. He chases Sabres and, and Amherst. And I kind of started watching what he was doing and I followed some of his stuff in different websites where there's message boards and he's dropping hints of where these players are. And I started researching it and then I started looking back and then I was like, you know what? Then I dropped a couple in the mail and I figured, well, let's see what happens. So I finally, finally got a couple back. I got Terry ball from the Philly, uh, uh, the flyers but he was a saber for a while. Okay. And when that came back, I was like, wow. Okay, great. Here we go. It's on now it's on. And then it was Ron shock. Ron shocks, another seventies player that played for the Sabres played for the penguins and so on. Yeah. He's a great TTM. Yeah. He's, he's really good, but watch it. He's, 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 if you write him a letter, he'll read it and send back. If, you, if it's handwritten, I've noticed that if it's a handwritten letter, he reads it. He really does read it. And then he does send back. And he's super kind about it. I mean, he's so nice. And I sent him extra cards just so he could sign. You know, I sent him a letter, said, here's some extra cards for yourself. Hand them out whenever you see little kids or whatever. And, and he just seemed to respond right away. Um, my first letter to him, though, was I didn't have a card of his. So I printed off a three-by-five um, a pre-made, uh, I made my own little Sabres yeah. card. Um, and he sent that back sign. And then I was in my local shop and I found a couple cards and I bought them. They were cheap. They were, you know, commons. And I sent him off three cards and I said, sign one and send, you know, keep two for yourself. And he, and this was only three weeks. It's against the rules. As far as I'm concerned, Jeff, you know, you don't normally send right away. But when I found the cards, I was like, I found them and I had told him in the first letter, I didn't have a card, but if I ever find one, I'll send it. I found it two weeks later. So I sent it anyway. And yeah, I explained, I try, I, says, I try to wait like six months. Yeah. There's, there should be a rule. And, and 
you know what? I think I just heard one of your one of your uh, broadcasts or your podcast. I'm sorry. Um, where you were talking to somebody and they said somebody did a 60 of 60. And I'm like, that's insane. Why would you do that? You're killing the hobby when you do that. It's like, it's so bad. But anyway, moving on to the story. So then it was like, now I'm starting to chase these 70 sabers. And man, I hit a brick wall, a brick wall, like as hard as I could. Um, There's some guys from the original team that played maybe 20 games. Um, and I'll mention him by name because he's a nice guy. I, I, and I feel bad because I feel like, <coughs> excuse me, Hap Myers, um, who was a player that played for Cincinnati Swords and, and, and moved on to play for the Sabres. And then he left again and went back to Cincinnati and then he disappeared. Um, he played 20 some games for the Sabres and he opened up a restaurant in Edmonton. He has a restaurant. It's a little diner restaurant. It, it's called Hap's Hungry House. Um, he's there. He's he is by far the toughest autograph there is for the Sabers of living guys. So why? Just because he doesn't sign, or he's kind his, of shy away guess, from it, or he, he? I guess his hands are really rough. Like his hands hurt pretty bad, and I think that's an excuse that's grown into a no um which really kind of stinks but it's it is what it is so my big my big search is for him i thought the dead guys would be the hard ones and i mean that respectfully when i say dead guys i i, I don't mean it to sound so harsh but you you always figure if you're collecting for personal you know your personal stuff the toughest ones are going to be the guys that are gone crozier roger crozier the goalie was not the hardest one i thought it was going to be that was actually kind of easy no, and it's I funny. Thought... He, he was my last card for the 72-73 set. Oh, was Roger he Cruz. really? Yeah. <laughs> he was he was not so hard. And and I thought, you know, my my white whale was gonna be Tim Horton, of course, right? Yep. But um it's funny because when this project started, I thought, man, it's I'm gonna have to drop a thousand dollars to get that autograph. I thought for sure that was what it was gonna cost me. And I was in my local card shop, and I don't know if you're allowed to. Sure, you can say names. To... Okay, well, there's a there's a shop here locally in Buffalo, um, in the western New York area. It's called Bases Loaded. It's owned by a family that, or, or a father son that owned it over the years, and 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 they've always been solid. You know, they've always been respectful, and they're always right on point. They never sell anything they can't prove they that kind of stuff so you know you can trust it it's your local shop they've been around for over 30 years so it's a very trustworthy shop um i walk in there one day and i said to to the to the kid who owns it now because his dad moved on to other things and and his kid runs it and i said to him i said you know i'm looking for a tim horton autograph so if you ever come across one and he says wait a minute he says i got one and i'm like come on you got to be kidding me you got one so i got a tim horton's autograph close enough for me to buy at this point and i'm thinking i'm really not ready to spend a thousand dollars yet but i know it's going to cost me somewhere between 750 and a grand to get this thing and it's on a cover of an old program and actually it's already framed and he drops me an offer of 400 on it out the door and it's psa 
And it like, comes where, with where a, do I sign? And, and, and wait, now it, it gets better than this. It it comes with a couple other autographs on there. Mike Robitaille is on there. Um, Norm Gratton, who's another passed away autograph that's you can't find. It. I mean, it's, it's another hard autograph. And and a Rick Martin's on there. And I'm like. And then there was one we couldn't figure out, which we have since figured out, but I, it doesn't matter to the story. So I'm like, all right. So now I've not, I, I, I told them, yeah, done deal. You know what I mean? It's done. It's done. I'm going to, I'm, I, I want it. It's mine. Don't sell it to anybody else. It's mine. So I got that one. So my two, my two whales that I thought were going to be the toughest are done. Now I've got, so let's see, end of 2021. I've whittled the list down to now I'm down to about 240 autographs. So I've chased and, and fought. <clears throat> and, and the coolest part of this is with the internet again, like I was saying before, so we tie the story together that as you're using the tools that we have and the people that we build this network of community that we have here, I have chased into a, a, a goalie, that I was looking for that I couldn't find. And I found him and his name is Rocky Farr. Now Rocky Farr was a goalie in the seventies, right? Who played on the Sabres teams that were in the championships. And the Sabres at that time were running four goalies. They were running four different goalies through that season. And it was crazy. And I thought, oh, if I could find Rocky Farr, I could find somebody else. So I'm like, okay, we'll figure it out. So then I find him. He works in Texas. I send an email to his, I, I, again, with the assistance of the internet, I found an email address for this guy. And I emailed him an address and I said, I'm really trying to find all of you 70s Sabres players. And I said, I, I'm on this mission and I can't seem to find any. Uh, he He's not even kidding. Eight hours later, I get an email back later and he says, I'll help you with anything you need. Just let me know. And I'm thinking, wow, this is great. So he, and he asked me for my address. The guy sends me uh, an, a special made card because he didn't have any cards. Rocky Fire doesn't have any regular cards. Yeah. That's why I never heard of him. Right. So he sends me this stuff and I'm like, I couldn't believe it. He sent me a black and white eight by 10. He sends me three custom made cards, all autographed by him. And, and, and he, and he sends me a handwritten letter saying, if you find some of my teammates, these are the ones I'm looking for that we can't find. So now it's not just a, now it's not just a mission of getting these autographs, but it's also a mission of, get get these players back in contact with each other at the same time yeah so i'm like this is really cool this is a lot of fun and i'm thinking wonder what else i'm gonna fall into in this whole mess right so i keep going and next thing you know i contact alex tidy alex tidy gives me a message and his personal cell phone number and he says if you find and this is how it all ties in. I mean, everything kind of pushes together, right? He says, if you find Morris Titanic, who was another player that played in the 70s with the Sabres, he's, and he was a teammate of Alex's, he says, if you find Morris, give him my cell phone number, but don't give it to anybody else. 
So at this time, I have a TTM out there somewhere for, for Morris because he's been bouncing around the Buffalo area. He's lived here all his after his after his career was over. He's been here. I still to this day, and I've had this this note for over six months to get to Morris Titanic and give him the cell phone number to reach Alex Tidy. And I've, I've sent the message to many different outlets to get to him, not the number mind you, cause I kept that, I kept yeah. that promise. I wouldn't give it, but so now it's now I'm, now I'm chasing. Um, oh, Orlando Gates or Gates, Orlando. Okay. Um, who was a player for the seven in, in the eighties for the Sabres. Now get this. This is this is the kind of stuff you find when you're doing TTM. You find all this information, and that's why I love your show because you always give these little tidbits. So it's so cool to get these things. And I'm kind of rambling crazy right now, but I don't care. It's too much fun. It's Jeff. okay. You're all excited. That's cool. I know. It's like it's so much fun. This is so much fun to do this that I can't even believe I'm sitting here talking to you about this stuff. So the cool thing about this guy, this this Gates Orlando, is that. He is the only living human being with a mechanical heart, and he was the first one to receive it. He's been alive for, I figured it out the other day, it's over 12 years he's been alive because of this thing in wow. his chest. He's the first one to ever receive it and the first one to get that technology when it became available. And the guy is, he's somewhere in Minnesota, and he's nice and quietly living life and having a great time. And I just got I'm not even kidding. I just got his letter. Is this it? Where is it? It's right here somewhere. I, I'm looking for it in front of me right now. I'm trying to find it. There's, there's, it's just such a cool thing that he actually got back to me. But I actually got my letter back. And nice. I got, and, and there's no cards. So I got them on the, on the, uh, the Amherst and the Sabres custom made, right? Yeah. So I'm just like, such a nice guy. He signed three for me. And, you just got to hunt, man. It's just a hunt and it's so much fun. So now I've got about 240 to go. Um, Out of how many? What, those five something you said? Five. It, it's probably closer to 560. Um, Have you let the Sabres know that you're working on this or anyone uh, in? You know what? It's been kind of tough with, with them. I mean, not that they're not that they're not good. They're very good. As a matter of fact, the GM Adams, Kevin Adams, is a very good guy. He's a local guy. Um, it, it it has been um, much better um, since the Bagulas have taken over. Some people will complain and say that, oh, they're not doing enough for the team. Um, but don't forget, they own both the Bills and the Sabres. Um, and what they've done with the bills is amazing. And they're doing this. They're following the same track with, with, with the Sabres. And I think that that's going to work out just fine, but everybody just has to kind of back off. Um, again, while this is going on prayers for Mrs. Pagula, um, she's been uh, stricken with something. Nobody knows it's, it's, it's being kept secret and personal and that's understandable. And I respect that. Um, just so everybody knows. Um, I'm not one of those people that bash them. They, they bought the team and kept it here in Buffalo, and that's the best thing that we could have ever had, anyway. So, do, they, do the Sabers have an alumni? Uh, uh, they do. They do. Um, a lot of it, I believe, is Mr. Playfair, uh, Larry Playfair. Yeah, sure. Um, I believe he kind of. I don't know if he's still running it. I know he's very involved in it. 
Um, Danny Gare was a lot. Um, yeah. Danny Gare was a lot, which these guys are great TTMers, by the way. Um, if you if you hunt their autographs and find them, um, there's great guys here. I mean, we have Don Luce. Um, you have Bill Height. Uh, Bill Height. <laughs> and they're all local to the Western New York area. They're still here. Um, Lindy Ruff, I believe, still owns a house here, um, even though he's coaching um, at, at New Jersey. Um, he's still here. Um, Rob Ray is a great TTMer. He's a, he's a character, that guy. That guy is so much fun. He, is, he's, he just and, – and we just went through a whole uh, last couple months of saying goodbye to our, our greatest – treasure uh rick jenneret who has decided to hang it up after 51 years of of announcing sabers games um it, it's kind of sad but it's also awesome at the same time that we were lucky enough to have him um he's a he's a good signer in person um he never used to like signing because he didn't think he was worthy of 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 the uh of the of the honor to sign um, and you kind of sometimes had to trick him into it. Um, I've dropped a Sharpie in front of him so that he had to pick it up. And then when he stood up, he realized I got him because he had the Sharpie <laughs> in his hand. Um, and actually that's on film. Um, there's a, a NHL thing that they did on the voices of the NHL. Um, and in his, his, you know, cut reel where they put little pieces together to show you him and all that stuff. Uh, me and my son are standing at the at the line where he's walking past everybody on a red carpet and you see him bend over and pick up the thing and guess who he's standing in front of it's me and my son and it's like we got him it was it was the best thing ever but um so yeah we've had our ups and downs here um we never seem to get to the cup um i wish we were more like like boston and had some cups but uh you know we've had a lot of fun and you know we've we've been through the crazy ringer and now i just got to find certain guys and and finish this project what percentage of your um autographs are through through the mail and what percentage are, are in person um i'd say about 15 percent are in person um i'm an old guy I, I i like you and drew talk about it. it's like you always feel funny asking these young guys for an autograph. I really do. I, I mean, I'm 50. I'm going to be 57 next week. And I to, to ask this 18 or 20 year old kid for uh, their autograph is a little weird. Yeah, it, it, it's a it was fun when I had my kid. I could do more in in person kind of stuff. You didn't feel as crazy about it. Um, but then it, it, it just kind of he got older and got out of standing with dad getting autographs kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um and he was in hockey so we were in all these rinks at the time and and doing all this stuff but it just yeah it it's hard to it's hard to ask a kid to to trust that you're not gonna you're not gonna take his stuff and throw it on ebay and 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 half of these half of these guys out there are multiple sign you know like getting multiple signs and our signatures and and you feel like how, how do you defeat that you you know, you want to ask, but you've just, like you said, Jeff, it's just, you just feel too old for it. I know. So, how about some, how, is it harder to get some of the uh, current players? I've always had a difficulty with the current players as opposed to some of the retired guys. Current players, if you go, you can get them in person. If you stand at the back of the arena, I, I send to the, 
I send to the arena every once in a while for certain ones. Um, but I try to, I try to, I got such a hurdle to get over with the, with the retired players right now. Um, like I got guys like Mike Dezel who played one playoff game. He's somewhere up in the, in the Ontario area in Canada. Uh, there was a rumor that he had a, uh, a machine shop up there for large equipment, like construction equipment. Yeah. And I've tried and I can't find him. I can't find him. He was there and then gone. And, and, and that's part of the, the hard thing of chasing. Um, Buffalo's had, here's a, here's a little story you can throw in there too. Buffalo has had three Ramseys. All right. We've had Mike Ramsey from the Olympic team. Yeah. We've had Craig Ramsey, who's an active coach. Yep. And a, a, a gentleman who played, I think, five or six games for Buffalo was, was um, Wayne Ramsey. Now, he's somewhere around the Braden Oil Kings, somewhere up in that area. Like, he goes to local games, but he do, he's very private. So, it's like, I, I know a couple guys that have his autograph. I, I don't want to buy it. I want to get it. Um. And I, I just can't, I just, it, it, you try to make that connection. I've talked to reporters that have done stories on these guys that have actually talked to them and they say, Oh, I can't give you his address, but I can, I'll email him and let him know. Um, that's another one there, which leads to another story. This is how this all goes. Jeff. It's like you chase one autograph to get another, to get yep. another. Well, I chased the Wayne Ramsey one which led me to the Ron Busnick. Okay. Now Ron Busnick was a player that played in the league for a few years and his brother played for the, for the flyers. And I figured I'll try to reach out and try to find him. Well, I found a reporter that did a story on Ron and Ron doesn't sign. I've sent stuff out, thought it was going to him. It didn't go. And it never came back, which, which is fine. That happens. We move on. So I finally get this reporter who says, I spoke to him. I'll, I know his brother. I'll call his brother. So she calls his brother and she emails me back. His brother, his brother emails me and gives me his, his actual phone number. So <clears throat> his brother says, oh, he'll love it. Give him a call. And I'm like, I hemmed and hawed for over a week, Jeff, not to use that number. I didn't want to do it. I didn't. But I, was, I was like, I'm going to feel like such an idiot, you know? And finally I built up enough courage and I called and he answered the phone. And I said, you have no idea who I am. I says, I'm a crazy Buffalo Sabres fan. Who's on a mission to get all the autographs from every player I can possibly get from the Sabres. He says, well, that's great. That's cool. He says, but I don't do that anymore. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm on the phone talking to the guy with the guy and he's super nice and you want to say oh come on you know but i didn't want to beg and i didn't want to bother him too long so i said well i understand that and i respect that very much sir and i said thank you so much for the time to answer the phone i said i really appreciate it and thank you for being a buffalo saber and i hung up and that was it and i and i left it alone and i haven't tried to send to him again i sent an email back to the to the two people that that said he would love it and i said talk to him for five minutes he was a great guy he said he doesn't sign autographs anymore and that was it and then i never heard from him again 
So it was basically just a dead end. So I got to keep going. And, now, what, and now, what are you going to, what do you, um, how do you display all these, the autographs? Do you have them in a book? Do you have them framed? <laughs> I have a disaster mess. Oh, it, it, you and me it, both. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, um, here, wait, I got to do this. because. Well, I, I won't do it now, but after we're done with this interview, I'll, I'll circle the camera around from the zoom and I'll show you the mess that I'm dealing with at this point. Um, we all fight that battle, Jeff. Uh, where can we display our stuff without destroying our relationships? <laughs> I get one room in the house. I don't know about you, but I get one room in, my, in the house. I, I, I don't even get that, Jeff. I get, uh, I get what you're seeing. <laughs> you get the basement. This is it. So, um, no, I, I, I haven't figured out a way to display it yet. I have plenty to display. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's just, as you get older, the more fun about this is the community. It, it really is. It's, a, it's more about meeting the people like you and like, well, I haven't met Drew, but when I do, I, I, it'll be cool. Someday I might get to a national show. I won't make it to this one. I'm sorry. Oh, that's too bad. Um, but I, I, I will eventually find a way to get there um and and meet up with you guys i i was close i was an hour away from you um to see to see gordon lightfoot um in a concert out there yep. which i waited in the back for an autograph but didn't get one so it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> now how about do you think this do you think there's a book in there for you do you think you'd like to put together a book of your um your quest wait say that again do you think you might write a book of your quest in terms of you know, having photos of all your autographs and little stories like you and I shared today. Um, you know what? I, I, I would love to say that I would, but I don't think I will. I, I, gosh, I'd love to do something fun like that. But I think I have not see like, and now you brought this up because I was thinking about this with my son the other day. He's got a GoPro. <laughs> you know what that means right so i'm thinking all these guys like you know the legends of the hobby like myers and 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 serena and um and uh, we'll we'll and yourself and, and a few others that collect that are crazy um the marauder larry yep. um and, and and a few others and i'm thinking someday maybe i'll do like some sort of ttm thing and and i even mentioned to johnny once i said to johnny in a text and i finally i think he saw it after two months of it sitting there i said maybe we should do another like a like a ttm live blog and maybe jeff you should get involved maybe maybe we should do a like a video blog of us there's these clowns and this is the bad thing about our hobby sometimes is these clowns that are breaking boxes and creating controversy and all this other stuff I don't know. I, I just don't get it. We, we allowed ourselves to get to the point where we enjoy the hobby through used car salesman type guys, man. And like, what are we doing? The purity of the hobby is you. I'll be honest, because now you're, you've created a platform where we can look at a guy who's steady. You've, you've been doing it. You don't change your direction. You've always been honest. You never, you never make up stories. 
and we can believe what's there. And now we have a place to go listen to it weekly. And you're spreading. You're going out to other things, not just, and you're taking the same formula to those other platforms, which is great, but we don't get to see you. You know what I mean? So it's like, we don't get to see your successes. Like we know they're real, you know? We well, know you know what you, you have, have to, to. I'm writing an art, a weekly article in Sports Collectors Daily, so you should check that out every week. All my, you know, all my successes I, I'll are right be there. Honest, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I have not. I have not, and I should, but I haven't. And and I probably will because now I'm looking you in the face. People can't see us looking at each other, but we. I'm looking at you, and I'm saying, I haven't done it. I don't know if I want to, but I'm now I'm going to be forced to. So (laughs) (laughs) I, I I just, I I recommend for anybody who's looking for a simple hobby that doesn't have to cost a lot of money other than stamps and maybe 50 cent cards. This is, this is a great hobby. It's, and and the community is so much fun. It's so much fun. We can have a blast. I I think we're all looking for, maybe you to lead us into a different level stop this audio stuff and let's get a video thing going where we can see you and the successes drew maybe drew's band who knows you know um maybe you can get a real uh what did you say you're looking for a jingle from drew yeah i keep asking for him (laughs) but i think what we need is we need to see we need to see it you know what i mean like we're we're a visual people you know, that's what this is about. It's not about an audio. We're looking for a piece of paper with some ink. And we get Jeff the audio and not Jeff the picture. And and that's not cool for some of us. I mean, I, we're looking for more. And I'd be I'd love to be involved. Who's the guy you got coming in every every week now? Oh, um, Les. The, Les. Les. Wolf. Oh my God, Les Wolf is I like. We get to hear Les Wolf, but we don't get to see Les Wolf Wolf stuff unless you're close to him. You know what I mean? So it's like, Jeff, what are you doing? Let's do this. Let's have some fun. Let's put a four screen up, throw Drew in there, throw Les Wolf in there, throw yourself in there. And then in the other screen, throw up what your successes are. Let's see what they are. Let's see what the collection looks like, man. This is yeah, it's it's we've talked about it. It's just a matter of, um, you know, putting the whole thing together and we're still we're still a podcast. We're still a radio show. And, you know, I do the, the article with Sports Collectors Daily right now. I'm going to go, I'm going to goad you into this. I'm there telling you, you know. it's going to happen, man. <laughs> if you don't listen, if you don't do it, I, I might, I might think about doing it. Cause well, there you go. I'll come I'll come on your show. You'll come on my show. <laughs> yeah. All 10 watchers, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, David, it's been it's been, it's been great catching crazy. up with you and learning about your your uh, your quest. David's trying. If you haven't gathered that, it we'll talk about it. David's trying to get every auto, uh, autograph from guys that have played with the Buffalo Sabers, and you know the Sabers started in nineteen seventy. Yeah, seventy. Seventy, right? Yeah, seventy seventy one season, and um, and just so you know, just for the guys that are looking for hockey guys um the majority of your um quest is going to lead you to canada yeah i was going to ask you about that in terms of 
Have you had to send out to any other countries other than Canada? I know. Do you get it? Uh, does Buffalo have a, a special thing in terms of stamps sending to Canada? And uh, no, we still use the same. We still use the same stamps. The international stamps uh, go over. Yeah, I, then, was, do they sell them? Are they more readily available in Buffalo? Yeah, here the the international stamps do just like any post office. You can get them any any time. I'm just looking to see. I have them here. Actually, I'm going to go out a picture. Um, the normal international stamps, um, these, you know, the ones that look like uh, some sort of flower, pink kind of thing. Yeah, but I anyway. mean, I've gotten them, I, but we have to get them through. Most most of the time, we get them through the internet. You have to get them through the internet. I'm sorry, I lost you for a second there. You have to, most of the time, you have to get those stamps through the internet. Drew's, Drew's a big uh, hockey guy. He sends to Canada a lot. I probably sent, I don't know, a couple dozen to Canada. I'm not... not huge into sending to canada but i've had ah, but your blue jays guys your blue jays guys a lot a, a lot of them stuck around up there so no i know find, yeah um the what you got to do is go to canada post online and order your stamps for coming back they're about a dollar 30 for like one or two or three cards uh coming back how about um, like czechoslovakia russia eastern clock have you had with many sabers that have played um from there <laughs> wow that's that there is one um i can't think of i'm trying to jetly uh oh god i wish i could remember his name his last name was jetly he played 80 games for the sabers he's in sweden somewhere or no finland finland and it took me forever to find his autograph um and find him um, but he actually is a TV star over there of all crazy things. But anyway, that's that's another story that I, I, I could go off on a tangent, and I don't want to do that to you right now. Because, um, but there's just so many. Uh, yes, there is. There's a couple of guys that are coaching over there. Um, there's a there's a, a guy in Germany, Fischer. Uh, Fischer is another one of the Sabers that's over there. Oh, the the um, here's one, J.F. Sove. That is another one that is really tough. Bob Sove's brother. Yeah, I know Bob, Bob Sove. Sove the, Bob Sove, the goalie. Yep, has a brother, J.F. J.F. is has has had a. I believe his son was in the NHL as well. But finding that guy is brutal brutal he he is so hard that's i think that's like one of my hardest ones actively that i know is alive and i just don't know where he is i can't find him so any help with the jf Sove would be amazing right, dave why don't you give people your uh, instagram account if in any way they can find you on social media if you want to give their your email address uh they can help you out with with any sabers if you have any <laughs> if they if they, if they have any saber questions they can send directly to you um, just an email address. I'm not heavy on the uh, social media yet, um, but after talking to you, that might change. Um, and if I do any of that, I'll, I'll send you the info and you can put it out there for me sure. later on. Um, you can reach me at Dave, D-A-V-E, the letter A, Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. The number is 22 at gmail.com, and that will get to me directly. Um, okay, guys, if you want to if you want to help Dave out, send it, send him an email address. If you have any questions about the Buffalo Sabers, 
if you if you want to uh, trade with him, he's he'll certainly trade. He's got also. I'm sure you have doubles of all a lot of guys who are willing to trade. Absolutely. Um, I and and I have connections to guys um, in the Rochester area as well that have stayed in Rochester area and played for the Sabres a couple games here and there. Jody Gage and a few others, uh, Metcalf and, and a few others. I'm I'm friends with on Facebook, but I I don't put my Facebook stuff out there. So I I, I just because it's more personal than than anything else. Sure. All right, well, Dave, thank you very much for your time today. It was a pleasure talking to you. Obviously, you're a very passionate collector. We thank you for being a listener. Check out my article on sportscollectorsdaily.com. <laughs> I will, anytime I you, promise. Anytime you get a little plug in there for the article, and uh, hopefully you're listening to us on the radio and enjoying our podcast, and we really appreciate it. Um, it, you know, it's, I love talking to people that are passionate about collecting. Obviously you're, uh, you're trying to get every Buffalo Saber autograph, which is, is a yeoman's work. In fact, I bumped into a, a guy on social media that is trying to get all the New Jersey generals, New Jersey, general, New Jersey devils. I have and met him. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's got a few crossovers. <laughs> yeah. He's down, he's down to like 20 something people, I think. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, I chased one of them right down for him. He's a, a, I sent him a message. Hopefully, he got it. I found him. One of his, one of his twenty. So good. Yeah, I try. I tried to hook him up with a guy that played with the Springfield Indians. So, uh, uh, uh way back. So the, he's, they, the, I know you guys a lot of have, to have some crossovers there, but it's a, it's a great project, and I, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much. Boy, is that guy a passionate collector? Hydro, can you can you imagine trying to get an autograph of everyone? The you know, okay, pick a team. You know, I, mean, I want to mm -hmm. get it. I want to get it. Even like the 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 Dallas Mavericks. What are they? Not the Mavericks. The what? The Stars. The Dallas yeah. Stars. I want to get everyone that played on the Dallas Stars. How long would that take you? It would take forever. I mean, I've I I would love to be able to do that with like you know the Indians slash Guardians, the Browns, the Penguins, anybody like that. But my God, that would just take, yeah, it would take forever. I mean, you, like you said before, you know, we went to the interview there. You got the guys that, you know, played over here for a couple of years and went back over to Europe. You've got some guys here and there who've died young. You've got guys who played only one game ever or something like that and just disappeared and decided, nope, I'm done with this and everything. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, that's that's pretty amazing there to be able to work on something like that. Yeah, Dave's a very passionate collector. I, I hope you enjoyed my interview. Well, that, that wraps up Collector's Corner. It, it, you know, if you're interested in being the show, just send me an email. I love, we love to talk to collectors. Just send me an email at ttmcast at yahoo.com and we'll get you on Collector's Corner. If you're passionate about collecting, we want to talk to you. Well, next up, Drew is Making the Grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. Making the grade is a uh, summary of what's been going on in the grading community. And this, this uh, week is really heavy in, in CSG. A lot of the grading companies have kind of been holding off uh, releasing news, I think, until the national. But we got some news from CSG this week. Yes, CSG uh, just recently passed the 1 million graded cards mark. So uh, that's pretty amazing right there. I mean, anytime you think about, you know, the companies that have been, you know, real big in getting to the big numbers like that. Of course, you've got your big three in PSA. Uh, S, uh, SGC, Beckett, and all those. CSG, though, is the fastest company to reach that 1 million graded cards mark. They started back in February of 2021. They've already hit the seven figures now. So really great to see that. Great to see them pushing to make it into a big four now instead of just the big three grading companies. And they did a kind of cool thing. Uh, the card was a Michael Jordan upper deck card. And I, 
forgive me, I don't remember the exact specific of the card, but they did um, put a special uh, note on the label that it was the millionth card graded. So that's nice. that's kind of cool. You know, somebody sent in a card to get graded and, you know, they weren't looking for anything special. And then they got they got they, their card was the millionth card and it was right on the label. So good job, CSG. A couple of other notes from CSG. Our friend Andy Broom, who has been on the show a n- number of times, he is the senior vintage card grader at CSG. Well, now, guys. He is the VP at CSG. So I want to congratulate Andy. He's been named VP at CSG. He uh, was with Beckett for a while and has been with CSG uh, since they started grading back in February of 2021. And he's been named C- uh, VP at, at, at CSG. So congratulations, Andy. And another friend of the show, uh, Susan uh, Lejudai, who will, he's the Sues, and we, we've had her on the show a couple times. She's been named marketing manager at CSG. So I want to congratulate Sue, Susan uh, for the Sues for being named marketing manager at CSG. So we have two friends at CSG now, Drew. Yeah, we do. That's really great to see right there. I mean, hopefully they're able to keep this going because it's looks like a real, uh, real strong stuff going on there. Yeah, it's a great company. Well, that wraps up making the grade. Next up is our TTM Cash Sample Approval for the week. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast stamp of approval. Well, Drew, why don't you take it away? Why don't you take the your stamp of approval for the week? All right, join in the chorus and sing it one and all. North Melbourne has finally won a game again. For anyone who doesn't know, I'm an Australian rules football fan, and I made the mistake of jumping on the North Melbourne bandwagon because uh, back in 2000, I spent a few weeks in Australia, got to go to a game. The first game I ever went to was North Melbourne at, uh, playing at the uh, Melbourne Cricket Grounds against the Melbourne Demons. And uh, so I kind of, you know, uh, North Melbourne ended up losing, but I ended up becoming a fan of theirs. And uh, they just come off winning the Premiership in 1999. So that definitely helps things there. But they haven't won Premiership since, unfortunately. I think I just, I've, I've jinxed them. And I'm sorry to all the North Melbourne fans out there. But uh, last year, they only won one game. They got the top pick in the draft. They drafted a guy. He's played a little bit with them this year. There's talk that he already wants out. They uh, just fired their coach this past week as well. They won their they won the second game of the season and then went on a 14-game losing streak. Well, finally, this week, they beat the Richmond Tigers last night by a score of 92-88. to 88. So, finally, they're off the slide there. Hopefully, they can uh, <laughs> run, in, run into the final couple of weeks here of the season. Hopefully, they can roll into that with maybe another win or two in there and not end up as the wooden spooners for the second year in a row there. But yeah, snapping a 14 game losing streak. So North Melbourne kangaroos are my stamp of approval for this week. Cool. Thank you, Drew. That's funny. My, my stamp of approval is um yeah, kind of a, it's a TV show, an old, older TV show. I really like AMC and uh, AMC plus, and, and this is available on Amazon prime. Uh, AMC is really fantastic. Breaking bad. I don't know if you guys have seen the breaking bad show. That is great. Uh, better call Saul is on their last season. I think they have uh, three or four more episodes before that is close out, but I, I just started and went back to watch mad men. I've watched the, the season before the complete run before and I, it was, it's such a good show. And I just started again. It's available on uh, AMC Plus or Amazon Prime. Uh, Mad Men, it is fantastic. Have you ever seen it, Drew? I have not, actually. I mean, it's been around for, you know, several years. Yeah, I just never have uh, tuned into it at all. Yeah, the, the, the writing is fantastic. The characters are great. It's about these, you know, all the guys, uh, advertising men in the 60s on Madison Avenue. And uh, it is just the, the, the guys that... The, um, the amount of cigarettes they smoke and the, the 
alcohol they drank during the day it just amazes you and then the the, the characters are really fun and it's just a it's a great show and uh i you know it, it it's hot out and you don't want to go outside and you just want to sit there and watch an hour of enjoyable tv uh start watching mad men it's a it's a really fun show so that is my ttm cast stamp of approval for this week um and then i think next week maybe we'll do some food drill we haven't done food in a while i think yeah. I, I think it, i think it's time for you and i to do some food next week what do you think it definitely is i'll see if i can find a good one around here to put in for it well and plus you're going to be out at all these ballparks so I, we're going to get we're going to get the food report as well from that too exactly that's true i mean there's gonna be a lot coming from there and i can tell you right now akron is going to be one of the top ones for sure all right, well, that, thank you, Drew. That wraps up TTM Cast Stamp for approval. Next up is our Burn Rap Minute. Drew, you want to do the Burn Rap Minute intro? Because you do it so well. Yeah, the, uh, the Vern Rapp Minute is dedicated to the memory of Mr. Vern Rapp, who uh, Jeff mailed to a few years ago, not knowing that he had died already when he sent the uh, autograph request out and got a note back saying, um, yeah, sorry, he kind of died and everything. So we put this out as a service to help out any other collectors there to know who has died from the past week so you don't make the same mistakes that Jeff and I have made occasionally on this. Occasionally. Guys, I, I highly recommend going back. Uh, I think it's the first season. Uh, I interviewed Nancy Rapp, Vern Rapp's daughter. Um, just because I, I felt bad about having a burn rap minute without without really talking to his family. So I I, I, I mentioned I taught brought his daughter on and I, I found out his daughter was the one that sent me the note. So oh, go wow. back, go go back and listen to my my interview with Nancy Rapp. Uh, and you know, I, I really yeah, it was I was very embarrassed by sending out a, a request. So we do this as a service to our fellow TTMers. So guys that uh, have passed away in the world of sports and celebrity this week, we lost a, a bunch of people this week. We lost uh, Rashad Anderson. Rashad Anderson was only 45 years old. He was a cornerback with the Carolina Panthers in, from 2000 2001. He had some... Um, you have to spend for for PDs or something. I forget. Okay. He had some, some problems, right? He, he, had, he, he, got, he had some problems but i'm sure not sure what happened I, I don't think they've released the cause of death but uh he was not a ttmer but we lost richard anderson he was only 45 years old we also lost bob parsons this week continuing in the world of football he was a punter and wide receiver for the bears for 12 seasons finished his career in the usfl with the birmingham stallions but uh he led the nfl in punting three times during all that also a very solid ttmer in that time he was 72 years old we lost Dick Schofield. Dick Schofield uh, played 19 seasons in the major leagues baseball from 1953 to 1971. He played with St. Louis, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Brewers. He was primarily an infielder, um, kind of a – he was a good fielding, light-hitting player, right, Drew? Yep. He, yep. Was a, he was – uh, uh, his son, Dick, played in the major leagues. His uh, father, Ducky, played in, in, in the major leagues, so he's a baseball family. And Dick was a great TTMer, a fantastic TTMer. And uh, he was, Dick was 87 years old. Uh, we also lost uh, Bernard Toon this week from the basketball world, played at Marquette in college and was a member of the 76ers in the 79-80 season. Not a TTMer at all, but uh, he died this week at the age of 65. This one can, comes from, from our, our friend um, 
in terms of the Buffalo Sabres. He's our Buffalo Sabre guy, Dave Snyder. And he, he sent me an email on it, and, I, and I, I saw it on another site as well. But, Dave, thank you. We lost Rod Zane. Rod played for Pittsburgh and Buffalo from 1970 to 1972. He also played for the Chicago Cougars in the WHA from 72 to 75. He didn't do much TTMing, but I know uh, Dave had his autograph. Uh, Rod Zane was 76 years old. Uh, this week we also lost George Elder, and he certainly was. He was the oldest living Major League Baseball player at the time of his death, 101 years old. Played in 1949 with the St. Louis Browns. Played uh, 41 games with them. He might be, I'll, I'm not, don't quote me on this, but he might be the last living or have been the last living St. Louis Browns player, as I know they left for Baltimore in, I think, 1954. So not a whole lot of time left in there. Uh, he was not a TTMer, though, but George Elder, 101 years old. Yeah, we lost Ed Wata. B-A-U-T-A. Bauta, is that how you pronounce it? Bauta, possibly? I don't Bauta, know. Bauta, Ed like Bauta. He was a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals and New York Mets from 1960 to 64. He was a very good TTMer. I believe he uh, was in the Dominican Republic or, or was from the Dominican Republic. Um, and and he, was, he was kind of a, a relief pitcher in his day. Ed was 87 years old. Also uh, lost this week, Ivana Trump, the first wife of uh, Donald Trump. Known, of course, uh, for her uh, work in business with uh, Donald there. She was 73 years old. Lastly, uh, thank, thankfully, we're wrapping this up. We had a long list this week. We lost Gary Moeller. Gary Moeller was a Michigan head coach. He was a two-time Big Ten coach of the year. I believe he started in Cincinnati, right? He Wasn't he a high school coach in Cincinnati or legendary high school coach in Cincinnati before he went over off to Michigan? Um, he wasn't much of a TTM because even though he was such, such a popular guy uh gary was 81 years old and did did he coach um ken griffey jr in high school uh i don't know i know griffey was at moeller high school i don't know if he had a had a connection there at all or not but it's it's possible all right well uh, uh, see see what happens when you go off the cuff (laughs) (laughs) when you don't stick to the script (laughs) sorry drew throwing your (laughs) curveball well that that wraps up the Vern rap minute for the week, we are sorry for your loss. Condolences go out to friends and family. Next up, we're going to talk a little TTM returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. Well, Drew, even though we, you know we're, we're, we've been busy in other directions, I've kind of been, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been getting out a bunch of TTM requests. I sent out uh, 26 baseball ones on Tuesday. So I've got, hopefully when we get back from the show, we'll have a lot of returns. But I got, I think I got four or five, I got four good ones and one RTS this week. And you had a return in RTS as well. Why don't you run down your returns first? Yeah, it's a pretty short list uh, here. But uh, my success that I had was Pete Metzelars. He, of course, was a tight end from the Bills back in the 80s and early 90s, played in a few Super Bowls with them. Took about three or four months to get him back. He signed three cards and kept one. So FYI, just send three cards, looks like. That's what he's going to put the limit at there. Um, My one failure that I had was from Dennis Martinez. I had seen on a page that supposedly he had signed free for a few people. So I'm like, well, great. I'll crank out my set card and Indians card, throw those out in the mail with a nice letter. And 10 days later, comes back with a note inside saying, send to pass to pass pros. It's like, all right, thanks, Dennis. But you were a great pitcher and all, but 25 bucks through pass pros. I'm going to have to pass on that, I think. So uh, 
Yeah, just to be forewarned on that one there. If you saw that a uh, free success that was posted somewhere, I'm not sure that it was free after all at all. But uh, there you go, some info on that. But <clears throat> yeah, I've got a, just like you, I'm going to hopefully send a few more out. I have enough stamps to send maybe another 10 requests or so right now. So I know Jonah Heim is going to be one of them, the uh, Rangers catcher. Friend of mine just got him back. So it's like, all right, he's in the heritage set there. I got to make sure I get that out. So send that out, maybe a couple others too. And lastly, a big sigh of relief. I made a trade with a guy a few uh, weeks ago and his arrived to me just fine. I sent mine out on July 5th, tracking on it and everything. And it just sat there. No update on the tracking for day upon day after day. And I'm sitting there going, all right, what the hell is going on here? This is not good. I mean, did it like go into a mailbox and get like, you know, shoved behind something sitting there for the last week and a half now or anything like that. So, I mean, I even went down to the post office. I said, what, what's going on here? And they said, well, just be patient. It'll update. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, great. And when, when another week goes by and doesn't update, what do I do then? They said, well, you can, you, can put in a, you can put in a claim on the website and everything. So I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go and try to see what I can find out. Unfortunately, USPS offers a uh, package location system, basically. If you have a package that's tracked, you know, supposed to show up somewhere and it hasn't gotten there yet, you can put in on there and they will look for it and try to find what happened to it. And fortunately, even before, I think I put it in on the, uh, what was the sound like the 12th, 13th, something like that. And the 14th, it updates and says, oh yeah, it's out for delivery today. It's like, I don't know where it went in those 10 days between Dallas and uh, and uh, Lexington, Kentucky there, but it sounds like it went on a great adventure, I'm guessing, <laughs> for a while. I mean, I'm guessing it got routed through Anchorage, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Like, what remember those there. little cartoons where they'd have like the suitcase or the box and it would have all the yes. different stickers on it? Yes. <laughs> That's probably exactly what happened. I mean, I once had a package that was supposed to go from Fort Worth to Arlington here a distance of about 25 miles and got routed through Bismarck, North Dakota somehow. So I'm betting the same thing happened here. So fortunately the guy received it. We got through to him just fine after all that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that I'm, I'm just glad it's finally, it's finally there and everything. I can finally breathe again after that. So yeah, that's uh, good to see that finally went through. Well, that's cool. That, thanks Drew. I, I'm, I'm glad you're getting some out. I, I had, um, Four returns and one, one bad one. I got a couple quarterbacks, a couple of Colorado Rockies. I got uh, the throwing Samoan. Remember him? Jack Thompson, who was a, yeah. the first round pick and third pick overall in, in the draft for the Cincinnati Bengals back in, I think, 79 out of Washington State. And uh, he never kind of became the quarterback that everyone thought he was going to be. I think he only ended up starting like five games for the, the Bengals over four seasons. He went over, went to play for Tampa Bay Bucks. He had a, a year that he was the starter with them. And then uh, Steve DeBerg came up in and dethroned him. And then he was basically out of baseball uh, football, but he signed my 1980 uh, tops card. And I think it took maybe like three or four weeks, but you know, no, no charge. And he got it back and was very happy to get that one back. And then got Don Troll. Don Troll was a, a star quarterback at Baylor, and he set all sorts of records at Baylor. He was a back in the sixties, early sixties. He was a, a, a true stud at Baylor. Well, he ended up playing. He got drafted by the Houston Oilers and, of the old AFL, and he ended up playing with them. Um, he played. He played a half a season with the New England Patriots in nineteen sixty-seven. And I happened to send him as the 68 tops card, which has him as the New England Patriot, but he's, he's shown in his Oilers uniform. He signed it for me, and Don, Don's a, an older gentleman now, but he, he has a nice signature, and I got that back in probably about three or four weeks, so it's kind of cool. I, I like, I, I'm a big fan of uh, quarterbacks. I like getting quarterback cards, so I was happy about that. Then I got two uh, 
Colorado Rockies. Colorado is, for some reason, is one of the teams I don't have many uh, autographs for. I don't know Mm -hmm. why. I have a few, but I have Todd Helton and Todd Walker and a few other ones. But I sent off one, uh, Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed was a catcher for a bunch of teams, the Expos and Reds and Twins and a bunch of teams. But he finished his career with the Colorado, Colorado Rockies. And I was going through my 1999 Tops cards and I the, a couple weeks ago and I said oh well, I'll start sending a few of these out so I sent out 99 card tops card of Jerry Reed Je- I'm sorry Jeff Reed and he sent it back to me in, in a couple weeks and then I got uh Jerry Tapoto who you know t- traded Jerry from the Seattle Mariners mm-hmm. he's the GM he's been GM for a bunch of teams he's actually a relief pitcher he pitched for Cleveland or Cleveland Indians Yep. He pitched for the uh, Rockies, and he also pitched for the Mets. He was a pretty good p- uh, pitcher back in the uh, late 80s and early 90s. And uh, I sent a 99 tops card of his, and uh, he signed it to me. Uh, really, I was surprised because it was during the season, and it was a really quick turnaround, like 10 days. And nice autograph. So Jerry DePoto, I don't, I don't, I'd never had him. Do you have his autograph? I actually don't yet. I got to see if I can find an Indians card of him at some point and send that out because – yeah, he's been a great TTMer for a long time. And like I said, I mean, he's not afraid to respond to stuff middle of the season, just like uh, actually Scott Service, the manager up there, is kind of the same way too. Very good TTMer as well and sometimes responds mid-season too. And then speaking of Mariners, this was a former Mariner and Yankee, and I got RTS on him. Uh, Russ Davis, I guess the address uh, where I, I, I probably got it either at Sports Card Forum or sportscollectors.net. I don't remember where, um, but it, was, it wasn't good. So I'm going to – I'll go see if I can find a – an autograph for uh, address for him. It was one part of my 1999 tops that I sent out. And I just got, in fact, I should have, it wasn't on my list because I just got it yesterday is I got um, Steve Woodard, who was a pitcher for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Yep. He, he signed his 1999 tops card for me and a nice blue Sharpie in, in a couple weeks. I don't know if he pitched for anyone else. I do remember him as a brewer. Yep. He was with the Indians, actually, not long after that. They traded him there in – I'm trying to remember what the trade was. It might have been the Marquise Grissom trade that they picked him up there. But, yeah, went to the Indians. Yeah, well, he was a – I thought I remember him as being a pretty good pitcher. So, uh, yeah. I was ha- happy to get that back. And then I just – I sent out um, 25 uh, 2003 Topps cards, baseball. Nice. So, I'm trying to – that you know, you, you that's my hole. Well, that, you know, like I have a big hole in that, like late nineties mm-hmm. to early two thousands in terms of cards and getting autographs. So I, I'm yep. kind of looking at those uh, and trying to, trying to send those out and get some, some of the guys that I don't have. So um, hopefully we'll get some, some, a bunch of returns uh, when we come back from the national, I, I'm hoping we get, I'm going to try to send out some more this week. So we, when we come back from the national, we'll have a bunch of returns, but uh, I think that wraps up our returns. You got anything more you want to add it before we, we go to the next segment? No, I think that uh, covers everything. My whole uh, one success here from the week <laughs> was uh, covers my segment there pretty well. But I know you're going like to have like five thousand in person autographs. To... <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I've got I got to save up my breath for uh, recapping all those in a couple of weeks there. But it's good that you mentioned though getting uh, Woodard and Depoto there. I might have to add those guys onto my list there and see uh, see if I can dig up some Indians cards of them here soon. Yep, cool. Well, that wraps up returns of the week. Next up, we're going to have our, our TTM Cast interview. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. 
Well, as I said at the outset of the show, I, I had a, uh, the privilege uh, and the pleasure of talking with Kevin Keating. Kevin is a principal autograph authenticator for PSA. He has also written a brand new book. It's called Waiting for a Sign, Volume 2. It is available on Amazon. If you haven't bought it, buy it. It is a great, great read. Uh, Kevin has been collecting cards uh, since the early 70s when he was a kid. He, um, you know, is been befriended all a lot of guys in the book talks about him befriending like chuck connors and um warren spawn and all sorts of other great guys and he he uh he is just a really fun fun uh guy to talk to and we share uh swap autograph stories and um it was kevin kevin's just a really great interview so i hopefully enjoy my interview with author Kevin Keating. That's coming up. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. Get your sports cards graded by CSG on-site at the National. CSG is thrilled to be your on-site sports card grader at the National. Skip the shipping process and bring your cards to booth 1445, July 27th to 31st in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Also meet the CSG experts, pick up swag, and take part in exclusive show giveaways. We will see you there. For more details, visit csgcards.com. Joining the program from his home in Virginia is Kevin Keating. Kevin is Principal Autograph Authenticator at PSA, but more importantly, he has written a new book. It's called Waiting for a Sign, Volume 2. It is really uh, outlining and chronicling his time as uh, an autograph collector, and, and primarily in baseball, but also celebrities as well. And it's a really entertaining, uh, fun book to read. Welcome to the program, Kevin. Thanks a lot for having me, Jeff. It's good to be here. Kevin, we, we started talking before we started recording, and that's a, that's a good lead. And, you know, why did you write the book? What, what, what inspired you to write the book? Well, believe it or not, I wrote the first chapter, not the first chapter chronologically, but the first chapter I put the paper was the George Sisler chapter. And I wrote it in 1988 to give you an idea how far back I started writing. Um, and it was really because, you know, several reasons. One was my father and a lot of friends were telling me that I really needed to start telling these stories and sharing them with other people because they were unique to me. They were my experiences with different players over the years. And, you know, I didn't know where it was going to go, but each chapter that I've written is really my tribute to that particular person. Um, some of the chapters, since you've read the book, Jeff, you know, some of them are deeply, deeply personal to me. Others are more like a happenstance you know, occurrence, but, you know, that occurrence had an impact on my life in, in some way. So all the stories are different. They're told, you know, as tele, uh, standalone chapters. Um, in the end, you know, when I, I mean, when I finally finished the work and found a, a, uh, uh, an agent to represent me, you know, he said, look, you've got two volumes here. Uh, we can't really write and put this and do it justice in one volume. It would be too long with all the photos and everything. So I was about 95% done with the writing at that point. But we published volume one in 2018. It's done very well on Amazon. And it took me a while to complete volume two for a number of reasons. But, um, but I finally did complete it. I'm happy to have it out there. And in the end, you know, when I look at it, I think to myself, you know, in many ways, I mean, I try to tell the story 
by taking myself out of the story, right? I mean, these things happen to me, so I'm there. Yep. But it's not about me. It's about what happened to me. It's about those players and, you know, their kindness that they showed me, the different things that they did, you know, that impacted my life. And, you know, where I was going with it when you and I were talking was that, you know, people like me and you who, who love this can talk about our experiences all day long. You know, because yep. we all have stories to tell about when we met this guy or when that guy turned us down or whatever the story is. And I mean, I picked the ones that really were different than the others to me and, and really kind of helped shape my life. Um, I could I could write several volumes, but I think subsequent volumes would be a lot less interesting because they'd be similar stories in one way or another. But these are these are impactful stories to me. Were you surprised, and this really surprised me for, from reading the book, is the um, the relationships you were able to develop with these former players and former greats. Um, you know, as a kid, you started collecting in the early 70s, and even then you you had a, a knack of uh, having established relationships with, the, with the, the guys you were asking autographs for. You know, it's, it's, it's a really great question. I don't know how to answer it because these things happen to me, so... You know, I don't really have anything else to compare it to, but I, I will say that um, Jerry DePoto, who's now the general manager of the Mariners and one of my best friends, you know, he, he years, years ago, probably 20 years ago said, man, you're like Forrest Gump, you know, with your whole baseball thing, because, you know, just the different people that I've gotten to know and, and several of them, you know, quite intimately, um, I found myself literally pinching myself many, many times, countless times over the years because I felt so blessed to be, you know, taken in by, by so many of these people that I, I began learning about by reading about them and admiring them from afar as just a fan. So I can't really explain it other than to say that it, it certainly has been a blessing and, and had a deep impact on my life for sure. Yeah, it's really surprising because I, I, I've kind of touched that a little as, a, as the podcaster and, and talking with these former athletes and and, and uh, every once in a while, I'll get a text from somebody or, or somebody will send me an email <laughs> that I five years ago, I never thought would have happened. Um, yeah. And I think, you, you know, you've, you, you um, just develop, you, you, you know, use your, your natural personality, I guess. And it comes out so much in the book, uh, you know, to be to befriend and, and just some of the guys we'll talk about, Warren Spahn and Chuck Connors and Don Sutton, these guys that are iconic, you know, it must, it must uh, you know, bring a smile to your face. Yeah, it really does every day. And I think that's why a lot of people kept telling me, you've got to write some of these stories. You've got to write some of these stories. And I'm, I'm glad that I did. Um, you didn't mention Ted Kubiak, which is the final chapter of the book. And Yeah, I was going to kind of go chronologically because you know what? Um, one of the things that I love about autograph collecting, and I love getting the the guy, you know, the guys. I love getting Orlando Pater and Kellen Winslow Sr. and all the guys. But I, if when I get something from a guy like Ted Kubiak, that makes me smile. I love getting those guys. Oh yeah, no, and Ted's just such a wonderful human being, and you know, it was so funny how that whole that that worked out. Like our relationship kind of went full circle. I mean, I got him as a kid. He befriended me. You know, he, he stayed in touch with me for a little while when I was a teenager. Then we lost touch. And then like, I don't know, 30, 40 years later, whatever it was, I got a call from some guy saying, hey, I got this big league player. He needs some advice on autographs. You know, would you mind giving him a call? I said, sure. Who is it? He said, Ted Kubiak. I said, oh, man. 
you know, I owe that guy because he was so nice to me when I was a kid. And then I called Ted and we became friends like right away. We probably had a two hour conversation. It was like, I mean, he didn't remember meeting me, but of course I never forgot meeting him. And, sure. and you know, the, what I was telling him, of course, rang true. Ted knew what I was saying it ha actually happened. And then I had, you know, I had at least one postcard that he had sent me and he had written on the back of it. He said, see you in August, you know, when the A's were coming to town. And, and so, I mean, but we talked for a couple hours the first time we got back on the phone and, you know, it was like two old friends who hadn't talked in decades. And, you know, we, we've just never missed a beat since then. In fact, he was texting me a couple of times yesterday, wishing me a happy father's day from, he was at the Coliseum, you know, with his son, um, Justin enjoying father's day with his family. But anyway, you know, Ted became good friends with my father and, um, uh, and my dad kept urging me to write a Ted Kubiak chapter. And then in a really um, profoundly sad way, you know, my dad, my dad passed away very quickly. And, and, and I, you know, through his passing and his friendship with Ted, that whole chapter came alive to me and kind of wrote itself. Um, but it's hard for me to read that chapter without actually getting very emotional. And when, you know, before I published the book, I sent the chapter to Ted and I said, hey, man, I want you to read this and let me know what you think, because, you know, I want you to approve it, obviously. And, and he called me up and he was he was sobbing on the phone. He said, you know, this is the most beautiful thing anybody's ever written about me. You know, so it, it really meant a lot to me. Yeah, you know, what's funny. It's, uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I had a little tear in my eye when I read the chapter about Ted Kubiak and your dad. And it really comes full circle, right? Because you as a, a teenager, uh, young, young man, young man, young kid, your dad was the one that got you know, got you interested in and in, in helped you uh, go to get these guys in person all these when no one else was doing it, you were out there getting yeah. autographs. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's really funny, because I can't even tell you, the number of times it was countless, really, that a player would be standing there signing, you know, rifling through 10 or 15 baseball cards that I had just handed him. And he'd sign them and, he, and, 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 you know, he would mutter to me the same question. Hey, kid, what the hell do you do with these things? You know? <laughs> I mean, honest to God. I mean, I heard that countless times and and I was always dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say, except I save them. You know, I collect them. I keep them. I mean, it was always the same answer. To the same question but back then it was baffling to these guys they couldn't understand it you know because nobody was doing it you know and that, certainly not like me i mean you could probably count on your hands and toes you know the number of people across the country that were you know really devoting themselves the way that i did and for me it was just a passion as i try to explain in the book all i ever wanted i mean i tell people i'm nothing but a failure in life because the only thing i ever wanted to be was a baseball player. And obviously I didn't succeed at you know, <laughs> that goal. So I kind of fell back on a lot of other things and, and autograph collecting has been there my whole life. But I do want to tell you a quick story about my father, which is very poignant. I almost put it in the book, but I, I, I decided not to. But about six months before he passed away, and he was, he was my editor. He edited, I mean, everything in the book I wrote, but my dad would edit my writing. And um, so he was working on completing the, the book with me up until the time that he passed away. And about six months before, and he got sick and died nine, nine days later. So about six months before he passed away on a routine phone call, he said to me, you know, something's been bothering me, you know? And I said, what's that? And he said, 
well, you didn't put my picture, my photo in volume one. And I was dumbfounded. I said, well, dad, <laughs> where was I supposed to put your photo? Like I dedicated the book to you. And my dad was a pretty sensitive guy. And he said, well, you could have put my photo in there somewhere. And I said, dad, I thought about putting it in the dedication, but the problem with doing that is, you know, whenever I've seen a dedication with a photo of somebody, they're always dead and, and you're very much alive. And he said, well, I'd still like to see my photo in volume two. So I said, okay, send me the, uh, the photo you want and I'll put it in the dedication. And damned if he didn't die and the photos in the dedication. And, you know, it was just such a weird kind of turn of events. Yeah, it, 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 again, it, you know, with Father's Day around him, I lost my dad a couple of years ago, and he's the one that got me into collecting cards and uh, fed my autograph habit, just like yeah. you. And it, yeah. it's, uh, you know, I, I, I could uh, empathize with you, you on the whole process. You know, one of, one of the things that um, about the book that I really loved is really the very, I think it's the very first chapter, or maybe even the first line is, why do you collect autographs? And that's something I never thought of. You know what I mean? As an, I, I love collecting. And I love I've, I've loved it since I was a little kid, but I never thought of like, why do I collect? You know, why, why do you, why did, why do you think you collect? Because it's a physical connection to that person. You know, unlike any other collectible, an autograph is a physical connection to that person. Now, if you get it in person, that's fabulous because, you know, you can commit to memory the whole encounter, what happened whether you touched that person or just handed the autograph, you know, what, whether you got it through the mail, you can remember those things. But even if you buy an autograph like George Washington, if you buy an authentic George Washington autograph, you still own, you literally own a moment of George Washington's life. I mean, no matter how many times that autograph has changed ownership over the years, yep. if it's a real Washington, you're, you know, you can touch something that he touched, that he created. And to me, that's what makes autographs so different and so special. But let's be real about the answer as well, okay? Because the flip side is it is it's an addiction. I mean, it really is an addiction. It really is. Yeah, it's a compulsive, addict, addictive behavior. And I was born with the gene. I think a lot of people are born with the gene and it's recessive until it's like turned on. And then once it's turned on, it's a really hard thing to turn off, you know? And a lot of people aren't born with it. it. You know, they don't have the affliction that we have. And and so be it. And they looked at us kind of crazy, you know, which is okay. Yep. But I get it. You get it. And a lot of people get it. Are you surprised how um, the autograph, and I'll put that in quotes, has changed over the years that, uh, you know, when you, when, when you and I started, we were just getting the autographs because we love the autograph. We love the interaction. But all of a sudden now the autograph has become a commodity. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. And that's what's changed everything. It's become a commodity. So, you know, it's amazing when you think about it. Think about Tom Brady. Tom Brady can write his name in probably a second or less, right? Yep. And, and out of those, what is it? Seven, seven letters, three? No, it's, uh, but yeah, seven letters, right? Seven letters, no. yeah. No, eight, eight, eight letters. Okay. So eight letters, you know, if he puts it on a football, $1,500. $1,500, $1,500, $1,500, you know, it's unbelievable. The, you know, the money that comes out of people's hands and it does change everything because, you know, a lot of them, a lot of athletes make a lot of money just like they did with endorsements. I mean, it's, it's really an endorsement An autograph has become an endorsement in a lot of ways. It's sold that way. So it, it has changed the rules and, 
you know, I mean, I, I tried to cover that in the best way that I could with my epilogue, you know, and, and what happened to my family and I when we stayed with the New York Yankees when they were in Baltimore at the uh, the the, uh, the Inner Harbor, I think it was the yeah the Four Seasons Inner Harbor Hotel, and I paid you know I paid the most money I'd ever paid for a hotel. yeah a pretty penny yeah it was a lot of money believe me and my wife nearly had a cow you know but when I explained it to her she finally acquiesced and it was all for the purpose of my kids being able to meet Aaron Judge we never met Aaron Judge we saw him from afar because we were basically kicked out of the hotel and, and sentenced to that distant place right across from where the players exited the hotel where all the chasers are committed to, right? And so now instead of even when you pay the money to be at the hotel with the players, you still can't get at them because they'll kick you out of the lobby as they did us and, and relegate you to where everybody else is, is, you know, committed to be. And it's, then it becomes totally up to the player, whether he chooses to walk over and engage you as opposed to you engaging him, you know, and having access to him and his, his deciding, well, am I going to scribble my name off as I walk to the bus? But, you know, the whole thing has changed. It, it's really sad. You've got to remember that, I, look, I don't begrudge this from happening because with so much money on the line, look, at the time that we went to Sierra and Judge, his baseball, his single sign baseball, were going for four or $500 a piece yep. retail wise. So he signs a couple autographs, somebody snaps it, right? Post it online. And the next time that they show up at that hotel, you're going to have nothing but chasers staying there because they can make their money back from the stay by getting a couple of autographs here. Sure. And there. I mean, so, you know, they really, you know, players are so bombarded with the requests that, you know, they need some sanctity too. They need some separation. And it really is, it's just that autograph collecting has become so universal now and there's just a lot of pressure on the players to sign. One of the things that I really love, Kevin, is you talking about being prepared. They have baseballs in your car and you have the, the, the right instruments. And I just really love that. Um, is there a, a, a story that you haven't told in the book about somebody, you know, you stumbled upon somebody for an autograph that you, you were in a place where, where somebody famous or, or an athlete was there and you got their autograph because you were, you were prepared. <laughs> Um, boy, I'm sure that there is nothing's coming to mind. I, I will tell you a quick story that that uh, isn't quite a, the answer to that, but it's one I didn't tell in the book. I, I started writing it and then I thought, no, I think I'll keep this out. But, um, you know, my best friend from high school, he's still my best friend, Mickey Lakatos. Mickey and I, you know, on this particular day, we went to see the Dodgers and I think it was 74 or 75, but I think it was 74. We really wanted to get Mike Marshall and, you know, Red Adams was a pitching coach. He would always get me tickets to the game. So my dad would work. My dad's office was across the street from the executive house hotel, which is where the team stayed, Dodgers included. So we go to the hotel and we get Davey Lopes. He comes out of the hotel. He goes to breakfast, presumably. We get his autograph. He comes back to the hotel. We get him again. He leaves the hotel to get on the team bus. We get him third time. We get to Wrigley Field for the game that day. We get Davey Lopes across the railing there at Wrigley Field. Number at four. this point, did he recognize you? Well, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I mean, he didn't acknowledge recognizing us, okay? But now we got him for the fourth time. Then he leaves, you know, he leaves Wrigley Field to get on the team bus because back then the team bus parked on the street. So, um, so the players had, to, if they were going to take the bus, 
they had to walk through the crowd. If you were waiting there, if you knew where to wait, you could access them. So he walks out, we get him again, number five. So that particular day, unlike any other, we went back into the city. We'd usually go home from there, but we go back to the city because my dad was said, you know, come back and I'll drive, you know, I've got to work late. I'll drive you guys home. So we get in there and he says, look, we're not, I'm not ready to leave yet. You know, it's going to take another hour or two. And then we said, well, hey, you know, we'll go across the street, see if we can catch the Dodgers again. You know, maybe they'll be going out to dinner. We had nothing better to do. So we go back out and we're standing there and Davey Lopes walks out and he's, I mean, he's ready for some action. If you know what I mean? Like yeah. he smelled like he just showered in, a, in, you know, in aqua velva or brute or high karate or something. He had the gold chain, the hair coming out. I mean, he was ready to go. So we walk up to him and he throws his hands on his hips and he stands and he goes, what the hell are you guys doing here? I signed for you like five times today. And we said, yeah, we know, but would you sign some more? And he goes, you guys need to be out meeting girls. And he used a little more colorful language than that, but he chastised us for having our priorities from the wrong place, you know? And we never had quite heard the terminology that he used, but it was quite interesting. And we were kind of dumbfounded, didn't really know what to say. But uh, we're grateful for the fact that he stood there and signed some more autographs for us. Yeah, I know he's a great autograph guy. When you mentioned Mike Marshall, did you get Mike Marshall? Because he is notoriously uh, oh, an impossible guy or was. Yes, he stood there for 10 minutes and chastised us for wanting his autograph, telling us that we had our priorities completely wrong. Unlike Davey Loves, it was for different reasons that we had our priorities wrong. Davey wanted us to chase girls. Mike wanted us to chase education. And he told us, he said, you know, you should be asking your school teachers for their autographs. I mean, I'll never forget that. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. imagine going up to my school teachers and asking them for their autographs. But Mike Marshall stood there. And finally, when he was done, I said, well, Mr. Marshall, if you're not going to sign an autograph, would you mind shaking my hand? And he looked at me, you know, like kind of dumbfounded. He's like, sure, kid. And he shook my hand and they walked off. But I never did get him in person now. Yeah, he, he was a, a strange one, right? He was one of the guys that was tough. We're speaking with Kevin Keaton. Kevin is Principal Autograph Authenticator for PSA, and he has written a new book. It's called Waiting for a Sign. It's volume two, and it really chronicles his time as an autograph collector, uh, mostly baseball, but also celebrities. And, uh, a you know, every, t every chapter I read, Kevin, I just got more jealous and envious it's the what the one the one chapter that killed me is the, the as the red Sox fan is your mike myers and alan Embry and, and getting all the balls and the champagne bottles can you just tell to tell us how that came about it and, and and where does that reside in your collection um i mean i could reach over and grab a couple of things if I i'm sure go. you could i'm so yeah, jealous i'd have to go off camera a little bit first but um yeah they're right here but um that was so bizarre you know because mike Mike and I had, had established a friendship when he was Jerry DePoto's teammate. I mean, cause you know, I used to hang out with Jerry and I'd room with him sometimes on the road. And I, you know, and, and you know, the relief pitchers tend to kind of hang out together. So I get to know all the relief pitchers on the Rockies or the Mets prior to that. But anyway, that's how I got to know Mike. And, you know, once Jerry was done playing, I did keep in touch with Mike uh, and also Paul Bird who ended up writing the forward for volume two. But in any event, getting back to Mike, that year, he started off the season on the Mariners and Mike, you know, collected some things as well. Like, and he wanted specifically like black and white Hall of Fame postcards. 
yep. you know, signed by people like Cobb and Cy Young and that. So I would get those things for him and then I would trade him for things that I wanted that he could access, you know, without putting up any money. So one of my favorite things to collect are home run balls. So he would, you know, as a relief pitcher, he had access to a lot of home run yep. balls. Yeah. So He's he would grab in the, the bullpen with a glove up. Exactly. <laughs> he would just get up and, you know, casually walk over and without any competition, pick it up off the ground when it stops bouncing around. But anyway, you know, he ended up getting me um, that year before he got traded to the Red Sox. Actually, I think he got released and picked up on waivers, I think. But anyway, I got two home run balls from Ichiro. And this is from 2004, the year that he broke George Sisler's hit record. And he had a total of eight home runs that year. I got two of those home run balls. Yep. Mike would later get, get these things signed and he'd date them, and, you know, the date of the game and all that stuff, stuff. So then he goes at the end of July, he goes to the Red Sox and, um, and, you know, the Red Sox were at the time about a five, a little over 500, but then they just got sizzling hot. And when they came to town, it was on their last road trip in September um Mike you know they had a day off in Baltimore so I went up to Baltimore I picked up Mike and Alan Embry we went down to um uh to Quantico did an FBI tour and shot some weapons and things like that and then went back to my house and you know Alan wanted to see some stuff but we didn't have much time so we were going out to dinner um and I said well who do you want to see who's your favorite player he said Sandy Koufax I said well I'll show you some Koufax stuff so I showed him some Kopak stuff and he said, Oh man, I love this photo. And I said, you take it. Well, anyway, he wouldn't take it unless he paid me. I said, you can't pay me. Send me a piece of your game used equipment at the end of the season. We'll do a trade. He said, okay, that's great. Anyway, of course we all know what happened with the reverse, the curse and all that. Sure. And uh, at the end of the season, you know, he true to his word, he sent me the, his baseball cap that he wore every game of that season, including the World Series and the playoffs. And he was on the mound for the final out of game seven against the Yankees, you know, so that hat, you know, that hat was a significant piece, you know, to, to, to my collection, one of my favorite things. But I got a lot of things from Mike that year too, um, especially the memories of just, you know, watching them do what they did and kind of living through that, almost from the front row because we knew a player, you know, on the team who we were staying in touch with at the time. So that was really, really cool. Yeah. And, and getting a ball from every playoff game. I don't think you're probably the only person in the world that has that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, before the playoffs started, Mike said to me, he said, Hey, you know, you want anything from the playoffs? And I said, well, you know, I'd really kind of like to have a game ball from every game that you guys play. Can you do that? He goes, yeah, I, I can get that done. I said, okay, great. So, yeah, I mean, in order to do that, you've got to you've got to do it from the beginning. Right. You can't think about it after right the halfway game. through. Right. And so you got to start at game one and they played the Angels. They swept the Angels. Then they lost three to the Yankees, but won the last four. So that was seven. And then in the World Series, they swept the Cardinals. So I have a total of what, uh, 10, 14 game balls, a straight run. And I and I agree. I, I can't imagine there's another straight run of playoff balls from that series, you know, that postseason for the Red Sox. But yeah, that was really, really fantastic. And, and certainly one of my favorite collect, you know, collections of stuff that I have for sure. Do, you know, I know you're a big, you were a big in-person guy and uh, it's really changed today because the way the ballparks are situated with the 
the the um you know the, the screens and you can't you can't get at, at these players during, during the games um do you think that will hinder um you know more kids getting involved in uh, collecting autographs or do you think yes. that's, that's yeah, gonna affect I, us? I don't know how it can right i mean because yeah. you know when you when you i think back to when i was a kid and i go to wrigley field when i was 10 years old you know really before i started collecting autographs the way that I, I, I ended up doing it. And, you know, you'd, you'd walk into the stadium and you'd want to soon it like any kid going to a baseball game, when you walk through that opening and you see the green grass, you kind of gravitate to the grass, right? You want to get down close. You yep. want to get as close as you can. And as you get close to the stadium and then a player would appear, it didn't even matter who it was, just some guy in uniform. And they look like gods walking around out there because they're on the grass, they're in the uniform. And you don't care who it is, but you start shouting at them. And, and you know, it's kind of a behavior that you observe before you start doing it yourself. And so you'd walk into Wrigley, I'd walk into Wrigley Field and I'd see wherever there'd be a player walking around, there'd be a, like almost like bees to hunting. There'd be a swarm of people that would move down to that area. Yeah. And they'd all be piling over each other with their sharp pencils, you know, trying to get their scorecards signed. And like, if you can't do that anymore, like why would a kid think about getting an autograph if he's not observing that behavior? Like they're, you know, what is it about the autograph? Obviously if it's not happening, it can't be that special or, or not even anything you would conceive of. So yeah, I do think it's, you know, it's one of those sad realities of, how the whole thing is, you know, changed. Yeah, I agree, sir. You know, the lifeblood of our hobby is keeping the kids interested. And I yeah. think it's, it's another per way the kids are, are getting shut out. Really, Yeah, so. it's another casualty of the whole commodity thing it really is. And also, you know, we're such a litigious society, right? Like the, all the baseball clubs want to protect, you know, the fans. And I, and I get that. I mean, you know, it's always been dangerous going to a baseball game. Yep. I can still, I can still, I won't mention his name, but there's a living player, you know, that um, I certainly met a number of times and I'll never forget reading the very tragic and sad story about him hitting a foul ball during a game. I think it was 1972 and it hit a kid, kid was there with his little league team bending over to eat a hot dog and, you know, he didn't see it coming and it hit him in the temple and he died that night. Yeah, I mean, you remember uh, Jim Rice, there's a famous picture of him carrying a kid off from Fenway yes. back in the 70s that, that yes. got hit by a fall ball. So, I mean, it, it, obviously we want to be people safe, but and, and people are just looking at their phones now and not watching the games, which is another problem. Yeah, but we're, yeah. We're, we're speaking with Kevin Keating. Kevin is principal autograph authenticator for PSA. He's written a brand new book. This is volume two. It's called Waiting for the Sign, volume two. It is av available on Amazon. It is a uh, a great book. There's over a hundred pictures of, of Kevin's time collecting autographs from when he was a kid in the seventies, all the way to taking his uh, young sons to try to get uh, Aaron Judge's uh, autograph. We just talked about a, a little while ago. Um, Kevin, you know, one of the, I, I don't want to let the talk about the whole book because I want people to buy the book because it's a really great read. But one of the great uh, chapters that I really enjoyed was the Paul Gleason um, chapter. Uh, Paul was an actor. People might remember him from The Breakfast Club. He played the principal or the guy, the vice principal in The Breakfast Club, a fabulous actor. But um, it must have been neat. Uh, the story you tell about Charlie Sheen, because Charlie Sheen was one of us, right? 
Yeah. No, Charlie, uh, you know, people know about Charlie's addictive personality. And one of his addictions is autograph collecting and memorabilia collecting. In fact, he famously purchased, you know, what's called the Mookie ball, you know, yep. supposedly the ball that went under um, Bill Buckner's legs. You know, that was game six. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get that knife out of the back. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> I know, man. Yeah, that was painful for a lot of people, myself included. But um, yeah, Charlie paid at that time was like a record unheard of price, almost 100000 or roughly 100000 for when that ball surfaced. And, you know, just put together a whale of a collection of, of things. Um, very passionate. I think uh, Paul told me that one time, and this is probably public knowledge, um, but I know Paul was the one who told me, he said, you know, Charlie just went to a game, he wanted to catch a home run ball. So he bought the tickets for like the whole left field section and was sitting out there by himself, you know, in the hopes of catching a home run ball. And I don't remember if he did or not, but that's how much of a fanatic, you know, Charlie is. And obviously he's played some great baseball roles in movies as well. Do you have a white whale, someone that you, you, you wanted to get his, their autograph, but you haven't been able to get? Oh, I'm sure that I've got lots of them. Yeah. Um, but uh, that is to say white whales of autographs that I yeah, want. Autographs, just like, you know, a, 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 either a guy that you, that uh, you really wanted or somebody that, that you uh, had approached and didn't sign for one reason or other, or just somebody Willie, that, that Willie, that's still sticking in your want list. Well, you know, Willie Stargell was one who turned me down, you know, um, not kind of not friendly um, to me. And the, the first time was, uh, he said, son, I only sign for ladies on Sundays. So, <laughs> and he had, he was walking out of the hotel and he had, he had a woman on his arm, you know, and um, she kind of laughed. So I was kind of the butt of the joke and I was okay with that. So the next year I went back and I went on a Saturday and when he came out of the hotel, I said, Willie, I'm back. You know, last year you told me you only signed for ladies on Sunday. So I came back on Saturday and um, he never looked at me, never said a word, just walked, walked off, you know, and wouldn't acknowledge me. So, you know, I mean, but I don't fault him for that. That's okay. They don't really didn't know me anything, you know, uh, I probably got him on a couple of bad days. I've heard a lot of great stories about him over the years, but that's one that stood out to me because I wanted him so badly. Yeah. You know? And I made, I made trips to the hotel really just to get him because that's how you do it, right? Like you have a limited budget. It costs money to ride the train, get your resources together, go to the hotel. I mean, I didn't have, we didn't have a lot of money. So um, every trip was designed to get some special target. Like when I went to see the Cleveland Indians in 73, I think it was, I wanted Warren Spahn's autograph because he was the pitching coach. If I hadn't gotten him that day, I would have considered the day a failure no matter what happened. Yep. So, you know, I go to the Pirates. I wanted Willie Sargill's autograph. This was after Roberto had passed away, um, which I was fortunate to meet him a couple of times. He was my favorite player. But anyway, I got turned down a lot. Sometimes, you know, not in not such a nice way, but that's okay. People have to remember, players don't owe you anything, contrary to what you might think. And, you know, if a player does stop and give you an autograph, they're really giving you a gift you know, and they're giving you part of their life, you know, they're spending some of their valuable time with you. And you're a stranger to them. You know, you, you know who they are, you know, but they don't know who you are. You know, you're just nothing but a stranger asking them to stop their life for a moment 
to accommodate you. And so if you look at it that way, uh, I think it's easier not to be disappointed when you don't, when you don't get the outcome you're looking for. You know what you mentioned that one of the reasons I started this podcast now five years ago is because I, I always wondered what the athletes thought, especially because through the mail, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a TTM guy, you know, what they thought about receiving requests from people that they don't know. And, they, and, and, and you know, most of these guys are gracious, gracious enough to, to sign, which is really great. And I, I'm going to ask you about TTMing. I know you did, you did a lot of in person, but you were TTMing as well uh, back in the day, right? Yeah, because, uh, you know, an old dealer is old now. Pat Quinn, he's still alive and, and, you know, to some extent, he's not quite retired yet. He's still dealing with some, but he's out of Chicago. He's a legend for us old timers who've been around a while now. Um, but Pat was the one who, you know, gave me some of his time and advice and told me, hey, write to players in care of the Baseball Hall of Fame because they'll forward mail to just about anybody. And that's what I started doing. And back then in 1970, when I started that, you know, everybody answered the mail. The only Hall of Famer who didn't answer was Pi Trainer. Now, um, at the time, I didn't realize it, but there was there were some ghost signing that was taking place. Mm-hmm. Like Goose Goslin's wife almost always answered his mail. I didn't know that. So I'd write to Goose Goslin, I'd get Goose Goslin back. I didn't know it was his wife signing for him. DiMaggio, Joe DiMaggio, I must have gotten 70, 80 autographs by writing to him, you know, multiple times. I'd send five to 10 things each time. They'd always come back, but I didn't know it. But his sister, Marie, was signing his mail. But, you know, I would say with the exception of, you know, five or six guys, everybody was answering their mail. And a lot of, you know, a lot of active players, Brooks Robinson, they would answer their mail. Um, I would write to people that I thought might make the Hall of Fame or people that I thought were just interesting. And I wanted to add them to my collection, say Jimmy Pearsall, people like that. I'd write to the Hall of Fame. The, the mail would get, you know, forwarded. And you always have to put a self-addressed stamped envelope in there. And, you know, I try to write a nice letter. It was pretty standard, but I always tried to be polite. And, yeah, the success rate was really fantastic back then. Yeah, and there's, and there's nothing like when the mail comes in and you have that uh, return envelope and you don't know who it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was always afraid to put their uh, name in the upper left-hand corner on the return envelope because I didn't want them not to sign their name because some guys would add an autograph by writing their return address. So I didn't want to, you know, preclude them from doing that because I did it for them. Casey Stengel was famous for that. He would always sign his name and put his address. I think it was 1663 West Grandview Avenue, you know, Glendale, California, whatever the zip code was, uh, I could still see it in my mind because I'd get one back like that every time. Um, but the other thing was, I was always afraid that a mailman might figure out that, you know, this kid's getting, you know, letters from famous baseball players like Dizzy Dean, you know, maybe, maybe my, uh, my returns wouldn't come back, you know, so I didn't want to tip it off. Do you have, still have much of the, the of your collection? Have you have you kept much of your collection? <laughs> you know, I'm sure you've amassed thousands and thousands of autographs now. Um, you know, where, where 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 how do you display your collection, and and do you have much of it still uh, in your possession? I don't have um, I don't have a lot on display um, for a number of reasons. Um, most of it's in storage, but I do have a few pieces up here or there. Um, I do have the things that were important to me that I collected as a kid, Mm -hmm. I still have all that stuff. Um, But, you know, I had over 10,000 autographs of baseball players by the time I got out of high school. 
And a lot of it was in person. A lot of it was through the mail. I mean, I don't know what the percentages were, but it's probably about 50, 50 is my guess. Um, you know, there was one, you know, one letter and I write about it in my Stan Kovaleski chapter where I sent him 15 index cards and he signed them all. And, and I got a note back from his wife telling me that was, I was being a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I learned a lesson there, but my point in bringing it up at all is that, you know, I, I would get duplicates and duplicates and duplicates. And um, eventually, you know, I did sell a lot of the duplicates because the duplicates didn't mean anything to me. Right. But the personal things did. And so I would usually keep like at least one example of everything that I got and, and also anything that was, you know, particularly, you know, personal to me. Now, you, you've seen, you know, thousands and thousands of examples of autographs during the day as a collector and as a uh, authenticator for a PSA. Is there anything that comes across your desk now at PSA that you get excited? Like, oh, look, we got an autograph from uh, I this, this, this gets the juices going. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, to some extent, I get jaded, you know, because I, we see everything. Right. We see everything in great quantity, right? So when I see a fantastic Babe Ruth item, it's a fantastic Babe Ruth item, you know, and, and that gets me excited. You know, so there are things like that. But I think I'll tell you a little story um, of probably the most interesting autograph to me. I'm a West Point graduate. Um, I, I certainly have always loved learning about history. And obviously the history of our country, you know, is, is very important to me. Um, so one time I was at, at a location and it was a phenomenal autograph collection. This person who had put it together was is now long deceased, but I was going through some of the more significant items and there were countless significant items. But um, the person in charge of feeding me the material, you know, from that collection dropped an envelope in front of me and said, you know, this person paid $25,000 for this item in 1980. And I thought, oh my goodness, what the hell? Yeah, what could it be? What could it be? So I opened it up. I opened up the envelope and I was looking at a promissory note from, I believe it was 1775 or thereabouts. So I'm thinking, well, who the hell signed this thing? And there were like two autographs on there, one on the front, one on the back. And Promissory, you know, for people who may not know, is, is almost, it looks, it looks pretty much like a check. It kind of serves that purpose, but it's yeah. technically not a check. Anyway, I turned it over and I was, I looked at the autograph of a person named Haim Solomon. And I thought, well, who the hell is Haim Solomon? So I start researching Haim Solomon to kind of get some context on what I was looking at. And it turns out that Haim Solomon was the primary financier of the Revolutionary War for the United States. He was the guy that gave the most money to finance Washington's army, you know, and um, without Haim Solomon and his money, we probably wouldn't have defeated the British, you know? So I didn't know that. I'd never heard of the guy, or if I had, I, I'd long since forgotten the name. So to me, like holding something like that with the kind of the historical significance and the rarity of the autograph itself, like who was going to keep a Heim Solomon autograph, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and he died in, in relative, I'm not sure if it was obscurity, but he, he, he lost most of his money. So I think he was somewhat impoverished by the time he died. He didn't live a long life. He died in like the 1780s, I think. 
So when I see something like that, that really gets my juices going. My daughter works at the Paul Revere House. So here in Boston and the North End. So we're, the whole family is so into uh, history and American history. And every, every day after at the dinner, we're like, okay, what'd you talk to talk about today? Would you, I, we just love, we love the, the Revolutionary War stuff here in Boston, but that, that's yeah. a, a great story. Thank you. Yeah, and, we, and, I, and I've done a few Paul Revere's. Um, and, that's neat. You know, I, get goosebumps, I get goosebumps just thinking about that. Yeah, stuff like that really gets me excited. We're speaking with Kevin Keenan. Kevin is principal autograph authenticator for PSA, but we're really not talking about that today. We're really talking about his brand new book. It's called Waiting for a Sign. It's available on Amazon. Kevin, it's on all the at all the bookstores as well, right? Um, I don't know which bookstores it's at. Right now, you can order Waiting for a Sign Volume 2 by going to waitingforasignbook.com. Um, it's not on Amazon yet. Waiting for a Sign um, Volume 1 is on Amazon. Waiting for a sign, the uh, Kindle edition of volume two is on Amazon. But if you want the hard copy. The hard have, copy. Yeah, you I have, have right to, here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the you, hard copy. There you go. You've got to go to, uh, you've got to go to the publisher's website for the book, which is waitingforassignbook.com. All right. I, sorry about that, Kevin. I thought it was still, it was on Amazon because I did see the uh, volume one there as well. So waiting for a sign, go to waitingforassign.com. Waitingforassignbook.com. Book, okay, com. I will certainly put that up on the uh, podcast website, guys, if you want to check it out. I'm sure if you get Kevin's book, I bet he can finagle a way to get you an autograph copy. So uh, <laughs> I have my my autograph copy in hand, and it was, it, it's a great read. It is uh, a couple hundred pages of awesome autograph stories. We shared a few here today. Uh, Kevin has been uh, gracious enough to join us today to talk about his book and talk about uh, collecting and autographs. And I just want to ask Kevin about the National. We have the National coming up. Uh, does PSA have anything special planned for the National? And uh, you, will you be in attendance? Uh, I will be there. I will be, uh, I will be sequestered looking at autographs. I will have my head down the whole time. I'll probably have a neck ache by the, by the end. I mean, we get hammered at the national. I can tell you that. Does PSA have anything special planned? I am absolutely positive that they do. I'm not privy to what that might be. Um, they keep me very, very gainfully employed, just looking at stuff all the time. So, yeah, they always have a lot of great stuff. You know, great, great promos and fun, fun activities for people that show up at the PSA booth. And of course, now we're part of. Um, you know, we're, we've always been part of Collectors Universe. But we were publicly traded and then changed ownership about a little more than a year ago. And so now the umbrella has gotten a lot larger. We have a yep. lot of other companies under Collector's Universe. And I do believe that most, if not all of them, will also be represented, you know, in the same area that we're going to be. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a different experience this year for all of us, probably, than it has been in the past. And I'm just telling, you know, the guys that, that I work with, the other authenticators, you know, hey, just just get ready to work really hard because we're going to be very busy. What's the most interesting thing that, that someone's brought into the the, uh, the booth at one of the shows? I know you've been to the National a bunch of times. Is there is there anything that, that I, they, they go, uh oh, Kevin, you got to come over here and take a look at this thing? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny you said that because you asked me a similar question and I said, you know, really great Babe Ruth item yeah. yeah so a couple of years ago um a guy came in and, and said you know i've got he had a collection of i think it was like 14 babe ruth autographs and you know there were five or six signed 
you know, Dowdy cards from the 1930s. Nice. You know, you know, you just don't see that kind of material, you know, uh, pop up. Um, and, and that was just, that was mind blowing, you know, and of course I'm paid to be a skeptic and, you know, all the forgers that are out there forging autographs are trying to get them past us. Right. So anytime I look at something like that, I just assume it's, it's bad. It has to prove itself good to me. Uh, so I, I immediately start off thinking, well, how, how am I getting fooled today? If, if we go on this stuff. Um, and in the end, unquestionably, you know, the items were good, but that was an unbelievable group of items just because collectively it had stayed intact, you know, for 80, what the guy that had gotten it, you know, and I was only, I didn't know it at the time, but I was only looking at a portion of the overall collection of the material. Doesn't um, that get you all excited when? <laughs> it, oh, it, oh, it does. It does. You know, and another item that came in was a, uh, a baseball that was signed by Mickey Mantle. Um, which was signed when he was, you know, uh, it was a single signed ball signed to his roommate, you know, during his first professional season. I think he was 17 or 18. Um, but, you know, he was, I think, I forget the exact inscription, but it was something like, let's say his roommate was Harvey. He's like, you know, to Harvey, you know, I'm the one in our room that's going to become famous one day, Mickey, your pal Mickey Mantle or something, <laughs> you know, some off the, you know, and it was very, reflective of Mantle's personality. I mean, I never met Mickey, but Whitey Ford and I were very close friends. And, um, and you know, and Whitey told me all kinds of Mickey stories and, and, uh, and Mickey had a hell of a, you know, a hell of a um, personality and was a very, very funny guy. So that particular inscription on that ball, you know, I thought was very indicative of, of Mickey's, you know, his sense of humor. Well, that's very cool. Guys, check out Kevin's new book. It's called Waiting for a Sign. It's waitingforasignbook.com is where you can get it. It is a fabulous book. It is just story after story uh, from Kevin's uh, starting when he started collecting uh, autographs, basically, mostly baseball in the early 1970, all the way today up until uh, trying to get uh, Aaron Judge's autograph with his sons, which it, which was a great story as well. And the and name of names that it, he has had relationships with and gotten autographs for. This uh, chapter is on Warren Spahn, Chuck Connors, The Rifleman, uh, Roberto Clemente, Don Sutton, Mark McGuire, Paul Gleaton, Gleason and Charlie Sheen, sorry, Mike Myers and Alan Embry, Ted Kubiak, and, and a lot more. It is a really fun book. It's a great read. I highly recommend it. Again, it's Kevin Keating is the author, and the name of the book is Waiting for a Sign. You can get it at waitingforasign.com. Kevin, thank you. I apologize for keeping you a little longer than, than we anticipated, but I could talk. We're done. Jeff, Jeff, let's keep talking. Come on. <laughs> you and I can tell stories all day, right? I know. You know what? How about this, Kevin? After the national, we'll circle back and you guys will we'll talk a little PSA if that's okay with you. And, great. Uh, and talk more autographs because I, I have a lot. I have some, some more stories to share with you as well, but uh, I don't want to keep you all day if you know what I mean. Thanks, Jeff. It's nice meeting you and thanks for having me today. Thank you very much. Well, Drew, I could have spoke to Kevin for another five hours, honestly. <laughs> he just has so many stories. He knows so many people. Um, you know, and he's just a great ambassador for our hobby. 
I highly recommend go check out his book. You can get it on Amazon. It's called Waiting for a Sign, Volume Two. Uh, I've I read both the the volumes. They're both great reads. Uh, please go go buy Kevin's book. It's a great book. I'm sure Kevin will uh, autograph it for you. He he sent me an autograph copy, which I I'm going to cherish in in my collection. And uh, check out Kevin's book. It, it was really fun to talk to him. I also uh, you know had a great talk with Dave Snyder. Dave Snyder has uh, been a listener of ours for a while. And he, I think he's, he's probably one of, one of the only people that I know, uh, other than a couple other guys, I may be like one of the five guys that's listened to every one of our, uh, our episodes. So Dave, thank you for being a fan and thank you for, for talking to us. So you're, you're a passionate collector and, and trying to get every about the full of savers autograph is something that is daunting. And I, uh, I'm jealous that you, you have the wherewithal to keep on going. So best of luck with that. Um, Drew, we got, we're getting ready for the national. We have all sorts of stuff. Your, your trip is right around the corner. Um, anything else you want to remind people about? No, I think that's about it. We've talked about the, uh, listener meetup a couple times there and everything mentioned YouTube channels. So if you, if you forgot all that, well, hit rewind and go back and listen to it again. <laughs> we won't recap it here right now, but yeah, a lot of stuff coming up here. And, uh, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. Yeah, guys, follow the website. You can follow Drew's adventures on our website. You can also follow what's going on, all our national plans on the website. It's ttmcast.com. There's a button for Drew's Excellent Adventure, and there's a button for uh, the National Atlantic, Atlantic City. So check that stuff out. If you have any questions, that stuff will be up there. Um, that's about it. I think you know. next week we have former Jet quarterback Al Woodall. We're going to talk talk Joe Namath and all sorts of cool stuff with that and collecting and autographs. So uh, join us next week. I want to thank everyone for listening once again. If you want to be on the show, send us an uh, email at ttmcast at yahoo.com. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. We're wishing, wishing you many happy returns. <laughs>